I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I could learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice, my Medicare, myhealthpolicy.com. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to myhealthpolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, myhealthpolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurer agent myhealthpolicy.com John Cena you are about to get served <laughs> check this out <clears throat> hot dog apple pie Independence Day, Kenzo Labza, USA. Okay. Wanna beat China? One, two, three. Become the US champion. You can see me. Wild Ride. Well, you heard the word life. He's got it down. Thought it was Wild Rice, but who's counting? Not bad. I don't think our audience appreciated it. What's going to happen here when the doctor from Thunder Mountain represents for the chain gang? You, you're just a, a chump in a suit, man. This, this. Is the real USA? And we all see that you're happy because you're looking really gay. Hold the side up, boy. Chain gang up in here. Hold it up. Drinking sake, eating sushi. That's what you should talk about. You love eating raw fish. He always swallow trouser trout. And you, you dressed up like the flag. Somebody get him a pole. Oh, no, no, no. I know how you can get one. Go on a date with Michael Cole. Yo, but it, that would leave me and Hiroko in the right place. 
I don't do makeup, girl, but I help you with the white face. I'll let you take a long look at the dragon in my pants. And it's the chain gang. We iced out, keep it cold like winter. If you don't like what I'm saying, put your face up on my spinner. Looking back, man, did they used to embarrass the hell out of Hiroko, Kenzo Suzuki's wife. But if you remember the photos that I posted online back in 2005, she have a nice uh, titties, nice titties. And for anyone uh, who don't like uh, my impersonation of a Japanese or Ressa, uh, this week in wrestling history, also Triple H, he do a Dr. Hunger Low, Hunger Low. <laughs> What's up, everyone? I am back, season two, episode one of This Week in Wrestling History. I am Don Tony, as always. I want to thank you for listening. This week, since it is week one of the new year, we cover the period of January 1st through January 7th. And I got to get right into this because I think I found a nice little project that I started to do online. Did it a couple of times kind of sucks that historians who have seen my research, not even a fucking thank you, but since I have access to this tremendous library of newspapers from yesteryear and just places that I have uh, learned to research from over the years, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there, especially old school wrestling, outcomes, debut matches, incidents. I mean, you remember we dispelled the whole thing about the riot with Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki. But, um, you know, when I research wrestlers' debut matches, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And it's been like that way for years and decades and this week in 1973, Stan Hansen made his pro wrestling debut. And in doing my research from the online books and websites and other places, Wiki, they all say the same thing, that Stan Hansen's debut match this week in 73, he teamed up with Carl Von Steiger, uh, and they took on Nick and Jerry Kozak in El Paso, Texas. Winner unknown. And I'm like, wow, you know, nobody bothers to try to research to find out what actually happened in his first match. Well, yours truly did. And I have the outcome. And believe it or not, all these decades that they had that match list, I know a lot of you out there are going to be like, I don't give a shit. But, you know, it's cool to correct history once in a while. But um, it ends up that the night that Stan Hansen debuted in pro wrestling, his tag team partner was not Carl Von Steiger. It ends up that Carl Von Steiger fought Terry Funk for the um, Rocky Mountain Heavyweight Championship. They went 60 minutes 
And Terry Funk scored one pinfall to none, believe it or not. So who was Stan Hansen's tag team partner? Believe it or not, it was none other than Alex Perez. And for those that want to know who won, believe it or not, Stan Hansen did suffer the loss. He actually took the pin. And uh, all the reports of his debut night were nothing but positive. So there you go. Me correcting a little bit of inaccuracy, well, a lot of it, as far as the debut of Stan Hansen in the world of pro wrestling. 1982, legendary wrestler and promoter Sam Mushnick was retiring. They did a tribute show, retirement event in St. Louis, Missouri. I think the arena was called the Checker Dome or the Checkerboard. I think it was the Checker Dome Arena. And they drew 20,000 fans. And from all accounts, not only this was a great show, but I believe you could actually pick this up on DVD online. Match results from this night. Dewey Robertson, missing link, over Baron Von Raschke. Jerry Brown and Bob Brown went to a time limit draw. Joyce Grable and Wendy Richter retain the NWA Women's Tag Team Championships. They defeat Sandy Partlow in early dawn, 2-1, to one, best two out of three falls match. Pat O'Connor over Bob Sweetan, Jerry Blackwell over Ox Baker and Bruce Reed in a handicap match. Yet Harley Race and Greg Dahmer Valentine go to a double DQ with David Von Erich and Rufus R. Jones. Dick the Bruiser wins the Missouri NWA heavyweight title over Ken Patera in the main event for the NWA world heavyweight title. Ric Flair retains, defeating Dusty Rhodes 2-1, to one, the best two out of three falls match. 1985, primetime wrestling debuts on the USA Network. WWF, you know, a lot of people always remember Monday Night Raw debuting in 1993. Well, eight years earlier, you had primetime wrestling debut on the USA Network, and it aired in primetime. And it aired in primetime all the way up to the debut of Monday Night Raw. And, you know, we always remember primetime wrestling because of your two hosts, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. Well, believe it or not, when it first debuted this week in 85, your two hosts were not Monsoon and Heenan. It was Jesse the Body Ventura and Jack Reynolds. And um, <clears throat> Jack Reynolds would host the show until July of 85. He was replaced by Gorilla Monsoon. You would have Jesse Ventura uh, continue to do the show. And I think towards the end of his tenure, he had missed a few episodes because he was filming a movie in Hollywood. So you have Bobby Heenan originally fill in for him, I believe temporarily, and then he became the permanent host. Now, as of this recording, WWE Network only starts showing primetime wrestling at episode 61, which is a little over a year later after its debut. I think the reason why they haven't showed us the first 60 episodes is because Jesse Ventura was on a bulk of that commentating. And because of that, they don't want to pay him royalties. That's just my opinion. And you would think a billion-dollar company, you're fucking holding back 60 episodes of primetime wrestling just to pay Jesse Ventura a little bit of royalties? Come on. And believe it or not, I'm telling you, that's probably the reason why. Now we go to 1992. Uh, WCW at this time started doing these super shows with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And believe it or not, they aired in the United States on pay-per-view. 
WCW, I think, did like three of these, possibly four. I'm not, I don't remember offhand, but I know this week was the Super Show numbers two and three. And these cards are not bad. I mean, when it aired in the United States, I believe it didn't air until February or March, but they wouldn't air all the matches. But the fact that this did air in the States and WWE hasn't put this on the network, I'm a little confused. You can see a lot of these matches on YouTube. Most of the commentary is in English because, again, it was a joint event. You had, um, I know it was Jim Ross, possibly Joe, uh, Tony Schiavone doing commentary with him. There is a lot of Japanese commentary as well. Some of the matches that I really wanted to put on here, just to give you some highlights, the ones that I wanted to play, I only found Japanese commentary for. But let me give you the match results for the Super Show 2, which occurred in 92 this week, and this week in 93, Super Show number 3. First off, the matches that did not air in the United States, you had Black Cat over Hiroshi Yamamoto, Osamu Kido and Kuniaki Kobayashi over Kengo Kimura and Kentaro Hoshino, Tony Holm over Scott Norton, Shinya Hashimoto over Bill Kazmaier, Antonio Inoki over Hiroshi Hase, Ricky Choshu over Tatsumi Fujinami. Um, and that was for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and the Greatest 18 Championship. Um, now, the matches that did air on pay-per-view here in the United States, Jushin Dundalagar, Masashi Ayogi and Akira Nogami over Hiro Saito, Super Strong Machine, and Norio Honong, Hong, Hongaga, excuse me. The Enforcers, Arn Anderson and Larry the, the Crunch, the, was it the Cruncher, Sabisco, over Michiyoshi Ohara and Shiro Koshinaka. You know, I take pride. As I've been doing these episodes, I'm getting the Japanese names down pretty damn good. I challenge any other show, with the exception of Meltzer, to really dish out the Japanese names like this. And uh, I think I do a pretty good job of it. Dusty Rhodes teaming up with his son, Dustin, over Masa Saito and Kim Duck. Vader wrestled El Gigante to a double disqualification. Lex Luger over Masahiro Chono to retain the WCW World Heavyweight title. And Sting teams up with the great Muda to defeat the Steiner brothers. That's one of the matches I wanted to share, but unfortunately I could only find Japanese commentary for that. 1993's Super Show number three, the matches that did not air in the United States, Shiro Koshinaka, the great Kabuki, Masashi Ayogi, and Akitoshi Saito over Super Strong Machine, Hiro Saito, Tatsu, Tatsu, Toshi Goto and Norio Honaga. You also had the Hellraisers, Hawk Warrior and the Power Warrior for the IWGP Tag Team Championship. They wrestled the Steiner Brothers to a double countout. You had Tatsumi Fujinami over Takashi Hishikawa and Genichiro Tenru over Ricky Choshu. Matches that aired in the States, Jusha Thunderlaga over the Ultimo Dragon, and man, they fucking annoyed the shit out of me, calling them the Ultimate Dragon. I mean, I know you remember on Nitro, it, they for a while they called them the Ultimate Dragon. They did it in 93 also before Nitro was even around. Instead of just calling them Ultimo, uh, they call Ultimate Dragon. I 
hated that. I don't know about you, but I just could not stand hearing that from, uh, you know, the American announcers. Ron Simmons over Tony Holm. Masa Saito and Shinya Hashimoto over Scott Norton and Dustin Rhodes. For the IWGP and NWA World Heavyweight Championships, the great Muda, who had the IWGP title, defeated Masahiro Chono, who had the NWA title. You also had uh, Takayuki Izuku, Izuka, Akira Nogami, and El Samurai over no, Nobukazu Harai, Masao Orihara, and Koki Kitihara. Surprised that aired in the States. And you had Sting over Hiroshi Hasi. Now, here's an interesting match. 1994, Hulk Hogan gone from WWF on his way to WCW. But between the jump from WWF to WCW, I actually wrestled in Japan for an event called Battlefield. Brutus Beefcake also wrestled this event. And, you know, at the time, they considered themselves free agents. So they wrestled on this card. The match results, Brutus Beefcake over Black Cat. Jushin Thunderlager over Tiger Mask in a mask versus mask match. And when Tiger Mask unmasked, he revealed himself to be Koji Kanemoto. The Hellraisers, Hawk and Power Warrior over Jurassic Powers. Hercules Hernandez and Scott Norton, they won the IWGP Tag Team Championships. The Steiners over Hiroshi Hasi and Keiji Muto. Hulk Hogan over Tatsumi Fujinami. And Shinya Hashimoto over Masahiro Chono to retain the IWGP heavyweight title. I need to let everybody know that this episode really focuses around four important moments in wrestling history as far as the United States goes. And believe me, they were big time moments. We will get into them in a moment. Uh, but it also features a decent amount of Japanese wrestling results. You got to understand new Japan pro wrestling every year on January 4th, they have an event. Now, if I got into every result from every January 4th event that new Japan did, I would have a six hour show tonight, but I'm going to get into a couple of match results here and there to give you an idea as far as what was going down over the last couple of decades you know, one or two matches, I think some of you out there may not have even known uh, to have occurred. So we'll get into a few of them later on. But um, I just wanted to emphasize, you got to remember, this is the first week in January, still the holidays. We did have a decent amount of wrestling this week in history. But as you will hear later on, this episode really focuses around four particular moments. And it's cool because it involves WWE. WCW, ECW, and, you know, a little bit of uh, combination, including TNA. So really all four, all four feds. 1995, Macho Man Randy Savage makes his in-ring wrestling debut for WCW. He took on the Avalanche. Now, uh, two days earlier, Sting had wrestled in Japan at the Tokyo Dome obviously January 4th. So as a result, Macho Man filled in for Sting in the States and he defeated Avalanche. Now we get to the first audio clip. And I and it pissed me off because there was, there was at least five smaller clips that I wanted to share from this event. It is one of my favorite ECW events of all time from beginning to end. When I get newer listeners or newer fans that never experienced ECW and they'll say to me, hey, 
Give me an event, a random event that I could watch just to give me the true feel of ECW. And I'll choose like November to remember 1995. I'll get into Barely Legal 97, Heat, uh, Heat Wave 98. But the first one that I absolutely just just loved from beginning 10. And November to remember 95 did it for me also. But House Party 96 was just fucking phenomenal. Uh, from top to bottom, it was just entertaining, nonstop. So many great memories from this night. You had 911 and Rey Mysterio Jr. defeat the Eliminators. And it was funny because at one point, they actually did a chicken fight. You had Rey Mysterio on the shoulders of 911, and I think it was Perry Saturn on the shoulders of John Cronus. So they actually tried to do a chicken fight during the match. You had Rob Van Dam make his ECW debut, defeated Axel Rotten. Two Cold Scorpio over Mikey Whipwreck to win the ECW TV title. Taz over Hack Myers, and Taz was full-blown monster heel at this point. Bubba Ray Dudley doing a full-blown stuttering gimmick over Jimmy Del Rey. This led to the surprise return of Shane Douglas. He had just been in WWF as Dean Douglas, which obviously was uh, a failure, you know, for the most part. Just didn't click, did not work out. So Shane Douglas makes a, a surprise return to ECW. The franchise is back. Always remember that, and it was awesome. I, it was just, uh, I remember the pop. I've always said Shane Douglas, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time from ECW, bar none. You had the bad crew of J.T. Smith, uh, along with Tony Stetson. Them four had fought to a no contest. The Sandman over Conan by knockout to retain the ECW heavyweight title. They beat the fuck out of each other. I mean, you watch this match, the cane shots that they kept nailing each other with across the head. Uh, Conan took a beating that night. Sandman did as well. And Conan was very new in ECW at that time. And by the end of the match, I think the fans really respected Conan. I mean, look, Conan was at that time almost Hulk Hogan level in Mexico. So fans knew, including yours truly and a lot of others in ECW at the time, they knew who Conan was. But they, they really got a first up close and personal feel for Conan at this time. He came in around the time Rey Mysterio did and Hoovy and Psychosis. Uh, you had Sabu over Stevie Richards. This was Stevie Richards' breakout match. Up until his point, you know, even after this point, still considered a loon, you know, being in the corner of Raven, the lackey and all that shit, you know, dancing Stevie Richards, studly Stevie Richards. He had a match against Sabu. His arm was injured and he put on a great performance. And it was really, really cool to see the ECW crowd cheer Stevie Richards, give him, show him respect after the match was over because he really busted his ass. Stevie Richards got never any respect up until this point in any matches. And honestly, it wasn't designed that way. He was a lackey. He was supposed to really get under your skin. You just wanted to see him laid out. You didn't want to see him wrestle in a match. He was put through tables. He's been bad, but he had this full-blown match with Sabu. It was fucking awesome. And I'm kind of ticked that I can't share it here. But if you go seek it out, um, trust me, if this ever gets across Stevie Richards' way, I think a lot of people, I will bet my bottom dollar, a lot of people have told him over the years, this match against Sabu broke was his breakout match of his career, my opinion. You know, obviously fighting it barely legal and, you know, end up doing a BWO gimmick. I mean, it, but this is where it started, in my opinion. 
You had the public enemy. They were leaving ECW to go to WCW. They defeated the gangsters in a street fight. After the match was over, public enemy, you know, thanked the fans, wanted the, the locker room to come out. Nice little video montage to close out House Party 96. It was phenomenal. But the one clip I will share to everyone is the storyline that took place this night as well. It's funny listening back at it because, you know, Stevie Richards insisting that he wants a kiss from Beulah. You imagine social media at this time, you know, that that's harassment, that's sexual. Even though it's a storyline, I just would, I know the fucking SJWs would have a field day with this skit. But what had happened, let me just set this up a little bit. You had Stevie Richards, Blue Meanie, and Beulah come to the ring. And Stevie Richards has an announcement to make. That's all we know. By the end of the skit, we find out that Beulah McGillicuddy is pregnant and the child is Tommy Dreamer's, you know, Raven's arch enemy. Tommy Dreamer, Pal drove Beulah a couple of times in the past, you know, just totally in, in the heat of that feud with Raven. And not only did it turn Bueller babyface, even though she technically was, I mean, even with Raven, everybody enjoyed her. Um, but she turned on Raven. She joined up with Tommy Dreamer. And this led to, you know, we had Kimono Wanalea get into the mix and the rest is history. And it's cool to see Tommy Dreamer currently married and having a nice family with Bueller McGillicuddy. You know, very cute little children. I've seen photos. And I'm happy for both of them. And it all started this week, 1996 House Party. Accompanying Stevie Richards to the ring. Don't touch me back there, please. The Blue Meanie. And the lovely Beulah McGillicuddy. You know, Stevie, I, I got to take my hat off to you. Last time I saw you, you were playing tonsil hockey with Missy High. Jojo. <laughs> and by the way, Stevie Richards, studly Stevie Richards, is the only American male because I'm built better than Bagwell and I'm a hell of a lot better looking than Riggs. So you came out here to tell us that you're now that, that's why we're taking up worldwide airtime so you can come out here with Beulah and the Meanie to tell the whole world that you're now Studley Stevie Rich. And, okay. Oh yeah, but, but of course, as everyone can see in the building, obvious by his presence, 
absence of his presence is my man Raven. Now you know we came off a big holiday tour. We came off the holidays, Christmas, New Year's. As a matter of fact, the holidays started early for my man Raven. Around the middle of December, there was a concert. And you know how Raven likes to party and he goes a little over the edge and he likes to, yeah, he likes to tip a few cocktails down. December 10th, he just... December 10th, 1981. Nonetheless, he started and he just couldn't stop. And as a matter of fact, right about this time, he's coming off about a four-week buzz. The point being is, along all that three or four-week span, Beulah Baby over here has been a little neglected by my man Raven. Richards figured, you know, I give Buell a little bit late Christmas cheer. So right now here in front of the ECW arena, history shall repeat itself. Studly Stevie Richards, the king of swing, is going to get a kiss from Buell, baby. Come here. No, no, no. I don't want to be touched. Leave me alone. Oh, come on, Buell. you got to be kidding me. Come here. No. You, you know you're making me look bad in front of everybody. You don't understand. I said I don't want to be touched. M Missy might be watching. Come on, I mean. You're, I don't care. You're not going to kiss me. I don't want to be touched. You just shot. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come on. No! Stop it! Oh, what's the matter? Oh, is it because you're Raven's girlfriend?
insensitivity of Raven finds it. Tommy just grabbed the cardboard sign. Goes from a cheese grater to a cardboard sign. Ooh, that's not cardboard. Oh, little chicanery. In 1998, we had an event at the Tokyo Dome, Final Power Hall, and this was pretty much Ricky Choshu's retirement event. He was retiring from the world of pro wrestling, similar to Terry Funk. He has retired and come out of retirement many, many times in his career. So when you look back and realize this is 1998 and even up to the recent, I mean, he's still performing in matches that tells you something. But what made this interesting and why I mention it anyway is because on this night when we all believed that Ricky Choshu was in fact going to retire and stay retired, he wrestled five times on his retirement show. <laughs> I kid you not. Match results from that night, Ricky Choshu over Kasayuki Fujita, Ricky Choshu over Yutaka Yoshi, Ricky Choshu over Tatsuhito Takayawa, you had Takashi Izuka defeat Ricky Choshu, and you had Ricky Choshu defeat Jushin Thunder Lager. So that night, Ricky Choshu won four out of his five matches. Other matches from that night, Shinjiro Otani over the Ultimo Dragon to retain the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Don Fry fought uh, Nao Ogawa and won due to referee stoppage. You also had another match end in referee stoppage, Shinya Hashimoto over Dennis Lane, and the main event, Kensuke Sasaki over KJ Muto to retain the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Now we get to 1999. Sit back and relax, everyone. We're going to spend the next 60 minutes looking back at 1999. WWF and WCW. It was this week that we had the moment we talked about it. I think it was episode 52 because it was a taping. Remember, Mick Foley winning the WWF title, heavyweight title for the first time as Mankind. That was a tape show. And it aired on TV January 4th, 1999, this week in history. WWE in their record books acknowledged the TV uh, airing of his title win as his win, his date. If you look it up, the date he won the title, January 4th, 1999, even though he won it in December. So now WWF Raw is taped. WCW Nitro is live. 
And during WCW Nitro, we know all by now the story of Tony Schiavone spoiling the outcome of Mankind winning the heavyweight championship. And, you know, we had the internet at that time. I mean, it's not full blown like it is now. And I do remember a lot of us already knowing that he won the heavyweight title. So we planned on tuning in to watch it anyway. In fact, that night we wanted to see how everything went down. You did have spoilers at the time. It wasn't in detail for the most, most of the time as it is now, but many of us already knew. But there were a lot of fans that did not know. And you're tuning into WCW Nitro, and you got Tony Schiavone telling everyone not only that Mankind was going to win the heavyweight title, but, you know, dissed him as well. And talking about how, yeah, that's going to put butts in the seats. What a lot of people do not, I think, realize, and I know for a lot of you out there, you know this already, but you'll be surprised how many people out there do not realize this, that the night of the finger poke of doom where Kevin Nash laid down to Hulk Hogan so Hulk could win the heavyweight title. And you got people looking back in history that said, oh, this was the turning point of WCW going downhill and Kevin Nash destroyed WCW. As you heard in season one, episode 52, the ratings for the next two, three months increased substantially for WCW. I mean, don't buy into that shit. It was the overall booking of Goldberg from this point going forward is what was fucked up. But don't take this particular night and turn around and say, oh, fans, you know, just decide they weren't watching WCW anymore. Yes, fans turned the channel to see Mankind win. Like five, 600,000 fans did turn away from Nitro to see Mankind win. That doesn't mean that that changed the landscape of the Monday Night Wars. It did for one night. It did for 15 minutes. All right. But if you look again, the ratings after that night between Raw and Nitro, Nitro still had a big bump in the ratings for months and months and months. And it was that Super Bowl event that is where things started really declining. So people need to put things in perspective and not just try to overly summarize because you get caught in stupidity like I just mentioned. But just to finish up what I was, my point I was going to make, a lot of people don't realize that the finger poke of doom and mankind winning the heavyweight title happened against each other on the same night. A lot of people think it happened around the same time in January, but not necessarily at that moment. Now, if you really want to be technical, I you could say, well, Mankind won the title at the end of December. WCW Finger Poker Doom was live on, on the first week of January, so it really was a week apart. Yeah, but as far as the TV viewer, it happened the same night. Now, another thing regarding the Finger Poke of Doom, and this is why we're going to spend an, an hour enjoying this. And I did a lot of editing and a lot of putting stuff together so it makes it nice and neat. I hope you enjoy it. Do you remember the storyline which led to the finger poke of doom? Do you remember the storyline at all? I, a lot of people have only ever heard of the finger poke of doom and nothing else behind it. Remember, episode 52, season one, I recapped Kevin Nash defeating Goldberg, and if you remember, uh, Scott Hall came out with the taser and tased Goldberg, and that ended Goldberg's winning streak. 
So a week before, Goldberg's winning streak ended. So now Kevin Nash was going to face Goldberg again in a rematch this week in 1999, but it didn't happen because Goldberg at the beginning of Nitro was arrested. He was accused of harassment, and he did these hokey skits throughout the night regarding his harassment. And by the end of the night, Kevin Nash ended up being challenged by Hogan. Ric Flair, who was the commissioner of WCW or the all whatever it was, he granted the match. And that led to the finger poke of doom, the, the, the a lot of heel turns, Goldberg having his head spray painted, his back spray painted, the title spray painted. So you look at the finger poke of doom, that's 100 seconds. What about the 30 minutes of campy storyline during that night that led to that? You're going to enjoy it now. Sit back and relax. Here's how it went down this week in 1999. And by the way, at the very end, tell me Eric Bischoff isn't goddamn annoying with his commentating. I laughed at the, the impersonation of the stun gun, but the other stuff, oh, talk about annoying. I think you'll enjoy it. Sit back and relax. Go, boy. We have a warrant for your arrest. You have a warrant for my arrest? That's correct. You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. Whatever it is, whoever charged me with whatever it is, like I said, you know, Jack knows, everybody in this city knows that I do nothing but positive things for this community. I do all the things for kids. I do things for the fallen cops. So you and you and you, nobody here can take me in for anything that I didn't do. You got that? I don't care because whatever it is, I'm innocent. Like I said, none of you guys can take me downtown for something I'm not guilty for. Not any one of you guys, or collectively all of you. You got that? I don't like being wrongly accused. So whatever it is, it's bogus and it ain't true. Uh, something offense. Huh? I, I don't hear anything else. I have an arrest warrant for you, Mr. Goldberg. And you're going to have to go downtown with oh us, regardless if you like it or not. You are going downtown. First of all, I don't like it. Second of all, whatever it is, like I said, I didn't do it. So every gun you got and every piece of mace you got, it's going to take every single piece of weaponry to take me down there. Okay, so you prepared to do that? I hope you are, because I am. I stand for good in this community, and nobody can tell me otherwise. Fans, this, okay. is a, this is a breaking What's story. What's going on? He's being arrested. For what? In the, I don't know. They, what do you want, you, Jack? Just calm down. You know what I know. It ain't true. You need Whatever to calm down. I stand up, but you need to calm down. Let's, let's go over to the precinct. Calm down. I got my whole life on the line I, here. I, I, I got my reputation. We're calling defamation of character here. Bill, okay? listen. I, I understand. Listen, you calm down. I understand, okay? Go to the precinct. We're going to get all the information. The detectives are going to find out what's going on. Jack, Everything will be straightened out. Look, It ain't right. This is not right. You know me. Listen, go to the precinct. We're going to get the information. Everything's going to be taken care of, okay? Damn. Listen, calm down, Bill. Listen, calm down. Last time I'm going to tell you. All I need you to do is put your hands behind you. Let his hand come behind you. Put your hands behind your back. You know what this makes me look like, Jack? This makes Bill. me look like I'm guilty. Look, I understand. Just put your hands behind you. Let the officer's handcuff you. Like We're going to take me. Bill. Put your hands behind your back. Listen, I'm going to tell you oh, one more time. Is... Put your hands behind you. Look. 
you understand, you know me, okay? Do like I asked you. Let's go to the precinct. We're going to get everything straightened out, okay? All I got right? to say, Jack, is we've been friends for a long time. You do your job, you do what you got to do, and I guarantee you I'll be vindicated because this is wrong. Bill, I understand. You do what I, you got to do. I understand. Let's just go on down there. We'll get the information. All right, fans. Everything's going to come out okay. This is wrong, Jack. Let's this is wrong. About, let's go. Okay? Let's Somebody go. This is wrong. Exactly what the charges This is a breaking story. We're going to follow Okay, you're looking let's in the Georgia Dome, and uh, let's go backstage let's once go again here. Come out that door Come on, come on, come on. Look at what has to happen here. He needs to just go with these men, get this taken care of, and get back here for this world title match later. Well, you know, the way the laws are, any idiot, any moron, any liar, Eric. Just Brian, come on, what's going on? Hold on. Step back, step back. Come on, step get off me, step back. I got a mask on, step back. Step back. I'm telling you to Understandably, Kevin Nash, who's the one who made this challenge and made the match. Oh, this last is funny? Week. This is funny to you? Yeah. you talking to? I think it's funny because I'm a law and order politician. And I believe in a man doing this crime if he's guilty. And he's guilty. That's no funny. Your vote will be appreciated. Thank you. <laughs> the politician has arrived. Eric, are you going to be the VP? <laughs> well, Bishop, this got to make you smile, Bischoff. And there was uh, Miss Elizabeth talking to some gentlemen there. That is the police precinct uh, across the street here at the CNN Center. Anybody needs us, we'll be in room three. Okay. And as you can see, they have just arrived. Formalities. Like three and <clears throat> let you know what's going on. I hope our cameras go on in. And let's try to pick up some audio here if we can. What's going on, guys? Mr. Goldberg, you're under arrest right now for aggravated stalking. Aggravated stalking? That's correct, Mr. Goldberg. It's a joke. Elizabeth Lebetsky filed charges against you? Elizabeth Le First of all, I'm not capable of anything like that. Second of all, I don't even know who Elizabeth Lebetsky is. I do. Bill. Miss Elizabeth. You crazy, Miss Elizabeth? Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> Filed the stalking charges against you, so what we're gonna do, we're gonna sit here and talk to you. The detectives are, are interviewing her right now and trying to figure out just exactly what the charges are and they're gonna let us know and we're gonna go from there as soon as they get back with the information. One, three. Okay. Jack, you know me. I know this ain't not, me. I know you're not capable of it, but we still have to go with the information. Okay. Guys, go ahead and do your job. I ain't gonna be the one to pay for this. Because right. it was not me. All right. As soon as we get the information, we'll let you know what's going on, okay? They're interviewing her now. All right. We do understand that some interrogation is going on of Miss Elizabeth right now, and we they've allowed our cameras to uh, check in. Let's go right now to the back. Do you mind calling you, Liz? Please call me Liz. Thank okay, you. Liz, I just want to get some information here in reference to this perpetrator. When was the last time he confronted you, ma'am? 
It was just a few moments ago, just right outside in the hall and at the, at the water cooler. Okay, right outside by the water cooler. Yes. Okay, any other, my partner, any other information that you can possibly provide in reference to us uh, nailing down the suspect? I filed three reports already. I Yes, ma'am. Have you read them? Yes, ma'am. We've he read them. He follows me everywhere. I mean, uh, I... Now, what do you mean by everywhere, ma'am? Last Monday in, in Baltimore, I mean, at, at the pay-per-view before then. It's, it's everywhere I go. Every hotel that I am at. I'm at the Marriott, and I turn around, and he's there at the arena. I, you know, I, I walk down the hall. He's there. He's following me. I, you know, I, I, I can't take it. I go to the gym. I go to the gym. I just need to relax and... Who's there? He's there. He's, he's behind me. He's always Did there. Did you feel threatened? Did I feel threatened? Of course I felt threatened. Well, take a moment. Let me talk to you outside for a second. The arena, the hotels, and the gym. Let me tell you something, Jack. We're both booked at all the arenas around the country, first of all. Second of all, hotels. Office puts us up in all the hotels. Oh, okay. The same place. In the gym? The you know, gym. I, I train at gyms all around the country. What are you talking about? She said uh, the Obaki gym. Jack, come on. She's a member at Obaki gym. And the reason why I'm always there is because I own it. This, this is an example of how ridiculous this is. I want out of here now. <laughs> Bill, calm down. Look, we're going to check it out. As soon as we find the information, I'm going to let you know, okay? Just do your job, right, get these cuffs off I'll me, and get right, me back to the arena. I'll be right back. We are live from Atlanta on WCW Monday Nitro here on TNT. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm certain if you've been watching, and you have, over the past few minutes, you have seen what has happened to Goldberg with that. I would like to introduce to you the current reigning WCW Heavyweight Champion of the World, ladies and gentlemen, from the Wolfpack, Kevin Nash. Still gets quite an ovation, even as a result of what will go down as a very tainted victory at Starcade. And you know you heard how angry it was if you take you back to Dino Phillips. You have asked for time to respond to what we've seen over the past few minutes, Kevin Nash. This is your forum, my friend. Yeah, at Starcade, a lot of people say that Kevin Nash beat Bill Goldberg. As far as I'm concerned, at Starcade, Bill Goldberg got screwed. I've been sitting back there in the locker room getting ready for a match with Goldberg, and I watched the turn of events that's happened tonight with Liz coming up with some trumped up charges. But it doesn't take Clouseau to figure out that I know who's behind this, and that's you, Hogan. So it's real simple. Since the Nature Boys seems to be righting all the wrongs, Nature, I'm asking you, let me have Hogan tonight. I know for a fact, I know for a fact that you've had eight days to go over contracts. I know Hogan's still under contract. I want Hogan tonight. Call it a warm-up, because I know at the end of the night, Goldberg and me will be in the ring for the world title. Wow. I think that's what these folks wanted to hear tonight, Kevin Nash. So Hogan, if you're out there, and I know you are in the back, it's real simple. 
You and I hook it up tonight. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. President of World Championship Wrestling, Ric Flair, you've had to be dialing in on all of this conversation. You hear the request of Kevin Nash? First of all, regardless of whether I agree with how he got it, he is the world heavyweight champion of the greatest wrestling organization in the world. I don't know what's happened to Goldberg, but I know this for a fact. If Liz is involved, Hogan's pulling the strings. And if Hogan's pulling the strings and thinks he's gonna dance off to Hollywood, make a movie, and make a mockery of this company, he's wrong. Tonight, Hogan, you're under contract. If Goldberg can't make the match, you, my friend, in front of 40,000 and the world are going to wrestle Big Sexy, buddy. Yeah! Woo. How about that? Tony Schiavone, I think that match has been made. We've got a new president, and we've got a whole new attitude. Kevin Nash, I thank you. Back to you, Tony. All right, Gene, thanks a lot. And also, he said he wanted to face Goldberg later on tonight as well. When Goldberg comes back. Hey, is Hogan the root of all this? One would think so. Goldberg and Nash, will it happen? Hey, Miss Elizabeth, can you tell me exactly where this happened? Uh, you know, I've already told your partner everything. And, uh, you know, I don't think, do I have to repeat this again? Why do yes, ma'am, you do. I need to hear it for myself. Kind of a bad speller. I need to write it all down. Now, where did exactly this happen now? The last incident that you were trying to explain earlier. Um, I was at the Coke machine, and I was just getting myself a Diet Pepsi. I s turn around, and there he is, okay? He's what was he wearing? Um, red tights. Red tights. Red tights. Okay, now you said he followed you all over the place. Went to the Marriott, I understand. Yes. Where else? Uh, he's followed me uh, to the arenas. He's followed me to the gym. He's followed me... To Any particular gym? It's the, uh, the Obaki gym. Obaki yes. gym. Okay, now when you say followed you, did he confront you, touch you or anything? Did you see him face to face, ma'am? Yes, face to face. He's always there. Does he ever say anything, ma'am? Of course he does. I, it, why am I defending myself here? Like, this is not fair, okay? I, and we're just asking routine questions here. We just want to understand what happened. But you know, every time the phone rings, I pick it up, and he hangs up, okay? I mean, I, I don't think I should have to keep defending myself. Oh, I'm not asking you to defend yourself. We're just yes, trying you to are. understand. And that when you, he doesn't say anything, but he always hangs up on you. Yes. <sighs> I'm the victim here. Do you understand that? Yes, ma'am. We understand it. Tell you what, you're getting upset. Why don't yeah. you just just rest one moment here, okay? Just take your I want him locked up. Yes, this, I'm tired of this, okay? I filed all these reports. You people are doing nothing. Yes, ma'am. Just take a breath. Just take, take a, a minute. breath. Thanks. Okay. All right, you've heard the conversations that we've had here in the last 10 minutes. First of all, Kevin Nash, you know what's going on with Goldberg. You also heard from the new president of World Championship Wrestling, the nature boy, Ric Flair. A lot of the subject matter surrounds this man. Arguably, he is the most popular wrestler of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, in Atlanta tonight, Hollywood, Hulk Hogan! Why does he sound popular? Well, maybe I guess wrong on that, Brink. You never have, James.
Are the fans cannot forget the past, the immediate past, even though he is announced that he will run for president during the next election. And tell you what, he's looking to find there. No doubt about it. Hollywood Hogan has burned some bridges, made some enemies with wrestling fans all around the world. But now, as Flair said, he's still under contract. Flair's going to force him to get in the ring. Hopefully we can find out in the next few minutes here in conversation with Hollywood Hogan. First of all, all of those political aspirations, where do they stand tonight? Well, you know something mean, Gene? It's quite obvious that the world of professional wrestling still revolves around Hollywood, brother. Check it out. And you know something? going to take this time tonight because on the Jay Leno show I promised my fans that have stuck with me through thick and thin that I was going to formally say goodbye to them tonight and I couldn't think of a better place to do it than right here in Atlanta, Georgia, the very home of World Championship Wrestling. I was also going to take this time tonight to formally announce my vice presidential running mate for the upcoming election. But, brother, when there's positive momentum, there's positive momentum. But when there's negative momentum, there is really negative momentum. And when I came in this building tonight, and when I witnessed this so-called phony hero, this sexual deviant, Bill Goldberg being escorted out of the building, it just made me sick to my stomach. But the thing that I've heard all around the building tonight that makes me just as sick is the fact that that lucky big tall spoon, the new heavyweight champion of the world, Kevin Nash, has been bragging and starting rumors by saying that the only reason Hollywood Hogan retired was because he's afraid to fight me in the center of the ring. That just made me sicker than anything, Mean Gene. All right. I think the jury is out on all of this because, as you know, Ric Flair is now the president of World Championship Wrestling. He says it's a done deal. It's signed. If you come out of retirement tonight, you've got Kevin Nash and a shot at the WCW World Heavyweight title. Well, you know, they say, Wolfpack's in the house. Well, brother, I've watched the Wolfpack puff, and I've watched them puff, brother. And Ric Flair, he's running things around here. And if he says Hollywood is going to wrestle, well, then, brother... After all the huffing and puffing, I guess I owe my fans one last retirement match. Oh! And to the wolf pack out there that's been huffing and puffing, after tonight, when I beat Kevin Nash, when I retire with the world heavyweight title, you can just call me Hollywood the Big Bad Wolf. 
Boom! All right, uh, Tony, I don't know. Right now with the state of affairs with Eric Bischoff working the booth, you guys have got to be in some great company back there. And what about Hollywood Hogan? Back to you, my friend. Well, fans, it just keeps happening. It keeps changing, and that's because we are coming to you live tonight. We just want to basically clarify some of the information you've already given us. Okay. Now, you say this has happened often. Yes. How often? How many times do I have to repeat myself? Just one more time, please. It happens all the time. And it happened most recently? I just told you. It just happened to, to, just a while ago. It. And where did it happen again, ma'am? Um, it was at the Coke machine. Okay, ma'am, you told me it was at the water fountain. Now, when you're at the Coke machine, will you getting a Pepsi out of the Coke machine or a Coke out of the Pepsi machine? You know... Or was it water, ma'am? Okay, you... Now, you know the Marriott that you mentioned. Don't all the wrestlers stay at the, you know, the Marriott, the whole team? And that gymnasium you were talking about, don't all the wrestlers go to that particular gymnasium, ma'am? Obaki Gymnasium, I think it was. And it's hey, Bill Goldberg owns that place. Ah. I wonder why he's there. Hmm. Ma'am, you've been looking at your watch quite often there throughout this interrogation. Uh, that's a nice watch. Can I see that? My grandfather has one just like it. Thank you. Yeah, It was okay. a gift. Yes, thank you. Great. Oh, a gift. You say he was wearing black tights? I think she said red tights. Red tights. Red tights. I, I saw red, okay? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Where's black tights, Miss Elizabeth? <sighs> Miss Lebetsky, uh, I hope you know that perjury is a serious crime here. You can be charged yourself with falsifying a report, ma'am. Miss Elizabeth, you are going to be charged. You know, falsifying a report is a felony. We're talking jail time here, honey. And not only that, ma'am, you're wasting our time. Come on, partner. We're going to talk for a minute, ma'am. Clear your story up. Get it straight. Hey, you know what, guys? Listen. Ma'am, have a seat. Um, I, I think I could be mistaken here, okay? I, you know what? As a matter of fact, I know I'm mistaken. It wasn't Bill. It, you know, a lot of these guys, they look alike to me. There's a lot of these bald-headed wrestlers running around, and I just feel terrible, you know, and I feel awful because, you know, I feel I cost Bill Goldberg his world title shot again, and I just want you to apologize for me, okay? Please, give him my apologies, because... I don't know how this could have happened. I really, you know what, I feel really bad. Okay? Tell him yourself. I'm wasting enough of my time. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much for your time. I, I appreciate it. Okay. I'm, I'm really sorry. Okay. Thank you. Could be mistaken. Wasted some time. Is this what Eric Bischoff? Is this what this is all about? Costing Goldberg a shot. That these forty thousand came to see here tonight. Can you answer that? Can you give us, can you? Coming back.
Bill, stop, stop banging the wall, man. You go put a dent in. Calm down. Listen, I just talked to the detectives. Miss Elizabeth dropped the charges. She admitted that she was lying. She broke down under questioning. Get All right. these cuffs off of me now. All right. Take me to the dome. Let's go. Georgia Dome, home of the National Football League's NFC Western Champion, Atlanta Falcons. It's WCW Monday Nitro and the first main event of 1999. Right here in this ring, the ultimate grudge match for the heavyweight championship of the world. Georgia, are you ready? For the 40 plus thousand in attendance and the millions watching around the world, ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready. Seventeen pounds, 
Although he is a native of Detroit, Michigan, his accomplishments and glory from professional wrestling make him a citizen of the world. He was a member of the former World Tag Team Champions, The Outsiders, a founding father of the original New World Order, and the NWO Wolfpack, known as the Red and Black, considered by most to be the best big man in the sport today. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the master of the jackknife powerbomb, the newly crowned reigning and defending undisputed WCW NWO heavyweight champion of the world, Big Sexy Kevin Nash! How about that embrace? Ever thought I'd see that? Scott Hall, Johnny the Colors, all up back. Out with Kevin Nash! Ladies and gentlemen, the champion comes to the ring in the company of Scott Hall. Trying to get him to hook up at least by shoving the man in the corner. 
Let's see if that gets a reaction from Hollywood here. But he's been in so many big matches. Well, he has. What's that about? The winner, a new heavyweight champion of the world, from NWO Hollywood. It is unbelievable. The new world heavyweight champion, Hollywood, of Hogan, the man, What the hell is he doing here? It's Goldberg. Goldberg's in the building. He's under arrest. He's under arrest. Oh, 
can't take it. I can't take it. What a way to start the year. Hollywood Hogan. There was no retirement. So now we have Nitro go off the air. And you listen back at that, there was no need to bring up Mankind's win. They had 40,000 plus at the Georgia Dome. They were on momentum. They were still getting good ratings. And their ratings got bumped for the next couple of months. Why they did that, you listen back to it, it was just unnecessary. Yeah, you would have had possibly four. Look, even though five, 600,000 fans tuned in, they switched channels to see Mankind win the belt. A lot of us knew Mankind was winning the belt. So even if Tony Schiavone didn't make that announcement, you were going to get a lot of fans changing the channel anyway. Let's make that perfectly clear. Not to the level of what, what happened so when they say, oh, we should have never said it. Yeah, it was unnecessary. It was a dick move. It wasn't like, oh, fuck, you know, now I'm going to watch WWE. No, it just came off as a dick move. It was not needed. Still, we would have changed the channel, many of us. So now let's talk about Mick Foley's first title win. Because there was a little storyline that went down as well that night. Now you have Mick Foley not too much removed from the beginning of Mr. Sacco, you know, originally, you know, showing love to Vince McMahon, but now Vince McMahon is not on the good graces with mankind and vice versa. So mankind wants a match against the rock for the heavyweight title at the Royal rumble, the beginning of raw. And I'm not going to air this clip because it is drawn out and we have so much other stuff to get into, but I will air the two other clips that follow. The beginning of Raw, you had Vince McMahon and Mick Foley going back and forth, Foley wanting the title shot at Royal Rumble. Vince McMahon just thinks it's ridiculous for Mankind to even think that, but he's going to give Mankind an opportunity that he's going to face Triple H tonight, this week, back in 1999 on Raw, for a spot in the Royal Rumble. Whoever wins that match will get a spot in the Royal Rumble. And if Mick Foley gets the spot in the Rumble and goes on to win the Rumble, he gets his shot against The Rock. Easy enough. Well, in the midst of the last couple of weeks, you have Mick Foley, you know, harassing the McMahon family and had recently given Sacco to Shane McMahon. So Vince McMahon decides that Shane McMahon is going to be the special guest referee in the match between Triple H and Mankind with the winner getting a spot in the Royal Rumble. Keep in mind that Triple H is also not in the good graces of the McMahon family. So Triple H, even though he's wrestling Mankind at this point, he is not a heel. Want to stress that. Here's how the match went down. A slot in the Royal Rumble is on the line. We already know two participants. Number one, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Number two, on an edict handed down tonight from Commissioner Shawn Michaels, Mr. McMahon. My prediction to win the Royal Rumble. Who? 
Stone Cold? Mr. McMahon! Oh, come on. Well, Mr. McMahon has been in training. He's in tremendous shape. But he may have to be in even better training the next three weeks. He's going to be number two in the Rumble in Triple H now with a right hand to Mankind. Mr. McMahon attempting to drive a wedge between Mankind and his new family, D-Generation X. That much is apparent. Triple H now. You know what they say, all's fair in love and war in the WWF. <laughs> Shane McMahon, the official in this matchup, promises to call it down the middle as Triple H now working on the left hand, left arm I should say, of Mankind. Would you be a little quieter? I don't think, uh, I don't think Shane can hear man Mankind if he gives up. A slot in the Royal Rumble on the line. Don't forget, Mr. McMahon is putting a $100,000 bounty on the head of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Any superstar eliminates him from the Rumble, they get $100,000. That's a, that's a hundred thousand reasons that Stone Cold will not win. The only sad thing about that is that money's going to come out of, out of Shane McMahon's trust fund. Well, one of them at least. Shawn Michaels has promised a stone cold surprise for Mr. McMahon and the corporation. Oh, sometime tonight. That's not right. Triple H with a clothesline on Mankind. The former Intercontinental Champion Triple H. And the rest of D-Generation X has adopted Mankind in recent weeks. Has given Mankind that family, so to speak. Oh, hey, forget about Mankind. Let's talk about Shane. Look how impartial he's being. He's calling it right down the line. Mr. McMahon. credit. Mankind now off the ropes. Look out. Drop kick. Baseball slide. Triple H off the barricade. Triple H and Mankind obviously don't hate each other. But this is the WWF. Both of these men have business to take care of. And that business is getting a slide in the Royal Rumble. Oh, wait a minute. Be careful, Shane. You get more than emotionally scarred if you mess with that idiot. Mankind. Mankind who twice before in the past two months. Look at Triple H now over the top rope. Yeah, that's good. Good move. Triple H. Oh, wait a minute. It's over. Yes. That was a quick count. What? That was a quick count. You move, The big man's have once again screwed Mankind. Well, if anyone deserves it, if anyone deserves to lose, it's him. Mankind. Mankind is not eligible for the Rumble. That was a quick count, King. You saw it. Sorry, but business is business. That's right. Business is business. A win is a win. And when it comes to the WWF title, I'll take it any way I can get it. You got it. Well, Triple and, H. But I will say one thing. Happy New Year. <laughs> Wait a minute. What? He's all yours. No! Help! Help! We need help out here! Well, the match was all about business. Mr. McMahon! Look at this! I'm going to show you a little move that Jim McGonagall taught me back in Ward Melville. What's he doing? Shane's already hurt from the pedigree. Shane, I'm going to break your shoulder. Oh, here in Worcester, 
wants to hear Sage scream. I've changed my mind. You see, I no longer desire a title shot at the Royal Rumble. Let Do him I up, say? Ah, please let him up. I want a title shot tonight. What? Tonight? Just let him up. What'd you say? Okay. Yes. Let me think it over. Let him go. Not good enough, Dad. Let him go. I want a stipulation. What do you say, Shane? Uh, let him go. Damn it. Let him go. No DQ. What do you say, Dad? Uh, all right, no DQ. What'd you no say, DQ. no DQ? You got it. I guess we've got ourselves a little deal. Let him go. <laughs> it's going to be Mankind versus The Rock. No DQ. So now you have later in the night, Mankind taking on The Rock for the WWF Heavyweight title. And, you know, we're all excited. We already know the outcome, but we wanted to see how it would go down. So The Rock, obviously, as you heard, was not thrilled. He's not even prepared to have a match, blah, 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 blah. And McMahon's like, come on, you're the champion. You could do it this and that. So we get to the main event. Now, at the very same time, we're about to see this main event match between The Rock and Mankind. On Nitro is the finger poke of doom. So now you got all these fans tuning in, see what happens with Mankind. Now, Mankind came out with Degeneration X. Degeneration X was in the corner of Mankind for this match because when The Rock came out for, for the match, he came out with the corporation. Tess, Big Boss Man, Vince McMahon, uh, Shane McMahon, you get the deal. So you had the corporation on one side and DX on the other, and here's how the match went down. That gold is the centerpiece of this company, the WWF Championship. I mean, could you imagine Mankind on the cover of the Southwest Airlines magazine with Mr. McMahon? Oh, come on, that'd be a joke. 
Mankind, obviously the underdog. Watch it, look at this. And here we go now. And Rock hammering away on Mankind. This is for the WWF title. Take it to him, Rock. Come and on, there baby. Are no disqualifications. The corporation on one side of the ring, D-Generation X on the other. Why are they allowing DX to stay out here? Well, the corporation's out there. Why not DX? No disqualification. I think uh, Ken Shamrock might have got in a little cheap shot there, but that's okay. Watch it. Look out. Oh. And Mankind now hammering away on the corporate champion, The Rock. Mankind, may, I, I'll tell you, King, there couldn't be two more opposite men in this matchup. I mean, The Rock, he's, he's a star. He's good looking. He's rich and famous. And he's the champ. He's the corporate champ. And this match is for that title. And the man, WWF title. And let me tell you something now. You realize this is no disqualification. So I don't care if DX and, and all the corporation is out here ringside. This match is not going to end up by, by having a whole bunch of other wrestlers jump in the ring. I mean, it's, it's not going to end up with some kind of wild schmoz out here. This match is going to... Somebody's going to win this match yeah. and somebody's going to lose it. Not like the other league is The Rock now. Hammers away on Mankind. Now goes for the steel stairs as you see Mr. McMahon looking on. Tell you what, King, over his 15-year career, Mick Foley has given Mick his all. Wait a minute. Oh, oh, that first one was, was for Mystery Man. I think that second one was for Shane. And you have to agree. Disqualification. Mankind's greatest attribute is his heart. Listen to this. Steel stare to the back. His greatest attribute is what? His heart. His perseverance. Mankind has put his body through so much pain over his 15-year career. Mankind once said that doctors didn't think he'd make it past his 30th birthday. Oh! But he's here today. Well, obviously The Rock is here. Obviously he's just checked Mankind in to the SmackDown Hotel on the corner of Know Your Road Boulevard and Jabroni Drive. Maybe a little thirsty, man. Kind of wants some water here. It's looking real good. Yeah, you look kid's showing a lot of testicular You're looking great. Look this way. Look this way. Oh.
this thing working? Am I on? I mean, they, they ripped the headset right off my head. And look at our desk. Give it to him, Rock. Finish him off. King, am I, am I, can you hear me? Wait a minute. Can I hear you? seen anything like this. The WWF Championship King is on the line. No disqualification. And The Rock is putting mankind through a tremendous amount of punishment. This is great. Now look at Shane. This is not a, this is not a title match that's going to start two minutes before we go off the air. We're talking action here. This is the WWF, baby. Mankind with a shot at the WWF oh. Championship. Side rushing leg sweep into a cover. This should be it. Hook of the leg and Mankind kicks out. Finishing Rock. Come on. You know what this must be like for Mankind King? I mean, it must be like growing up in New York and wanting to play center field for the Yankees or growing up in Texas and wanting to be quarterback of the Cowboys. Oh. Having a shot at the WWF Championship. Oh, my. Mankind is a born right fielder. Mankind now battling back. Right hands at the Rock. Or being third base. Everybody step on him. Reversal now. Rock with the elbow to the face. Come on, Rock. Rock, scoop slam. Uh oh, wait a minute. Oh, yes. This is it. The most electrifying move in sports entertainment today. The corporate elbow from the Rock. <laughs> yes. And Rock plants it.
cheer for him, for his ability, for his talent. And they're cheering for him, for his champion. Without further ado, I announce to you the new World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion of the World. So there you go. That night, it was at the 11 o'clock hour, Mick Foley went in the WWF Heavyweight Championship versus the WCW Finger Poke of Doom. It's pretty good to look back on that. Later on in this episode, we have another battle. TNA Impact going live against WWE Raw. That happened January 4th, 2010. Now, before we get out of 1999, one other match I want to share with you. Happened on Monday Night Raw. You know that I am a huge fan of the hardcore title. It blows my mind that it's been so many years that WWE did not bring that title back sooner. You don't have to have chair shots to the head. You don't have to have crazy, crazy shit. The 24-7 rule had so much comedy involved with it and creativity that it just, I don't get why they don't bring that title back sooner. But this night on Raw, the same night the man... Kind won the heavyweight title. We had a hardcore match. It was Al Snow versus the Road Dog. And it's one of my most memorable matches during the hardcore title era in the WWF. I hope you enjoy it. Hardcore matchup, no holds barred. Anything goes. Falls count anywhere. No disqualification or count out. There's the champion, the Road Dog. Do me a favor and kick that hand into the third row. Here we go. Using head as a decoy, and the match is on. Again, this is for the Hardcore Championship. No holds barred. Falls count anywhere. And I mean anywhere. I'm telling you, Michael. The winter weather's got the nation in a grip. It's cold outside. Matter of fact, it's even snowing here. But it's hot inside. The action has been unbelievable here tonight on Raw. Road Dogg successfully defending the Hardcore Championship last week with a win over Mankind. Oh, thanks in part to The Rock. That was ridiculous. Rock, again, sticking it to Mankind. Yeah, Mankind, unbelievably, gets a shot at the WWF title here tonight. And I told you this was going to get get hardcore. Oh, man, oh, man. Road Dog just threw a steel chair at Al Snow. And Al Snow jumped face first into it. Look at Al Snow. This guy's nuts. He hasn't taken a bath in two weeks. Oh, you finally realize this guy's nuts, huh? He suffered that bloodbath at the hands of the brood. 
wearing that blood-soaked shirt. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the stench? Oh, oh man. Wow. Look at Al now. Oh, chair to the midsection. The hardcore championship on the line. The first watch it, two. Watch it, watch it. Oh! <laughs> Al Snow launching into Road Dog. Yes, yeah, man. This is the hardcore action. This is the kind of action you're going to get from WWF Superstar. They're not just going to walk and talk like some people we know. These guys are going to give you 100% all action. Watch this. The first of two titles on the line tonight. The WWF Championship up for grabs. A little too close. Oh! Chair to the head. <laughs> and Road Dog feeling it. What is Al Snow doing now? It's no telling. I don't think he even knows. Al Snow up on the barricade. Oh! <laughs> Road Dog sliding out of the way, and Al Snow just snapped that table in half. That was great. Wow. Okay, we got to take a look at the 10 10 220 double feature. Look at Al Snow. A somersault off the barricade. Look at this cover by Road Dog now in a kick out. This match is no disqualification. As a matter of fact, it's just like, whoa! It's like the WWF title later on, no disqualification. <laughs> and Al Snow looks like he likes it. Look at him. He's whacked. He's a bull run. Oh! oh. Uh -oh. He didn't like that. charm for Road Dog. Another cover of Al Snow now. And a kick out again. Road Dog won the Hardcore Championship two weeks ago with a victory over the Big Boss Man. Right out in front of us now. <laughs> oh. I love these hardcore matches. Right hand from Al Snow. Kick to the midsection. There's no telling where this thing's going to wind up. Could go to the locker room. Could go to the, the backstage technical area. Could end up in the satellite truck for all we know. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Oh. What a right hand by Al Snow. No rules in this one. No holds barred. Where are they going now? Falls count anywhere. Into the lighting trussle there. Al Snow now trying to climb up to the stage and Road Dog from behind. You think the old Road Dog ever regrets the day he won the hardcore title? Now he has to keep defending it. Not a bit, King. Uh-oh. He's a fighting champion. Yeah, he might, he might be fixing to regret it right now. Al Snow with the table now and Road Dog from behind. What action. Hardcore championship on the line. Road Dog setting up the table. What's he going to do here? I don't know. Nobody's safe in this match. Look out. Look. Oh. Al Snow snapping another table in half. Beautiful. Road Dog the champion. That two words for you there, Al. These two are giving it everything they have, King. Two tremendous athletes in perhaps the toughest match in the World Wrestling Federation. Right. Stay away from that equipment, those electrical wires. Where are they going now? It comes quite a shock to you guys. <laughs> Back in that technical area now. Road Dog into that steel, steel crate, that steel dolly. You're real funny. Backstage in the arena. That's what you are. Clear out, folks. That's the janitorial area. That, that's a hose. Out. 
Kyle Snow has wrapped around Road Dogg's neck. Well, the falls count there, too. Look at this! Road Dogg may be heading to the showers early. Hot water on the head of the Road Dogg! You ever have to hose down a couple of dogs? Look at this! Oh! I hope that's two-ply toilet paper. Uh-oh, watch, watch it! Oh! A broom across the back! These guys are wiping themselves up all right! Can you imagine? Oh. Tremendous punishment. No holds barred, false count anywhere. Al Snow into that cart full of flowers. What's left of flowers? I think those are some old Christmas poinsettias. Folks, this is for the Hardcore Championship. This match is... Look at this! Oh, man! Don't let that hit you! Oh, my God! Across the head! That's a potted plant! <laughs> he planted it, all right! Road dog into those steel poles! <laughs> Look at how snow! Oh, man, in the midsection! This match back in the, the backstage area. Anything goes, no holds barred. You can use anything you want. There's no disqualification. I think this is one title I wouldn't want to have. Wait a minute. Oh, oh, into those beer cakes. Those things got to weigh 80, 90 pounds each. Hardcore, baby, hardcore. This beer's for you, Al. <laughs> and Road Dog now in control. Al Snow into that heavy steel case. Again. Road Dark, the hardcore champion. Al Snow would love to become the hardcore champion. I think Al Snow is, you're right, he's loving this match. Shot to the side of the face. Al Snow whipped into those steel, steel grates. And look at him. He likes the pain. This is right down his alley. Oh, empty. Oh, didn't matter, it was empty. Where are they going?
but I gotta give him credit. That was one hell of a match. But I gotta add it to the road dog as well, King. That was one hell of a matchup. The hardcore champion. I just said dog. that.2000, another event in Japan. This was the Wrestling World 2000 at this time, even though WCW was still around. Macho Man Randy Savage and Rick Steiner were wrestling as, quote-unquote, free agents. Chris Benoit, this was right around the time between the jump of WCW to the WWF as part of the Radicals. And here are the match results from that night. Shinjiro Otani and Tatsuhito Takayawa over Kendo Kashin and Minoru Tanaka. They retained the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles. Hiroyoshi Tenzan over Wild Pegasus, Chris Benoit. Jushin Thunder Lago over Koji Kanemoto to retain the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title. You had Kaizio Yamazaki. He was retiring. This was his retirement match. He lost to Yuji Nagata. Macho Man Randy Savage loses to Rick Steiner. Masahiro Chono over KJ Muto, and as a result of Muto's loss, the NWO Japan was forced to disband. And for you trivia buffs out there, if you're going to ask me who were the members of NWO Japan, this is the full list. This is not just at any one particular time. You had Great Muda, Akira, Big Bubba, Big Titan, Hiro Saito, Hiro Yoshi Tenzan, Luis Piccoli, Masahiro Chono, Michael P.S. Wall Street, Michiyoshi Ohara, the NWO Sting, Satoshi Kojima, Scott Norton, and Tatsuyoshi Goto. Main event from that night, Kensuke Sasaki over Jenichiro Tenru to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Now, we go to 2000. Anybody that goes back to my hotline days, you remember when I started doing hotlines in the 90s, when we got around 2000 to 2002, 2003, I would always complain about the Triple H show. And I used to use that phrase on my hotline all the time at that time, the Triple H show, the Triple H show. If you ever wanted a great example of what I meant when I said the Triple H show, go and watch This Week in History, Raw 2000. Happened from Miami, Florida, on this night, they had the infamous spoof making fun of mankind because you remember he lost that pink slip match. So they did a uh, skit called Have a Bad Day and they were mocking mankind. You had Triple H coming out doing characters. First, he was Harry Sachs, I think the unemployment office guy. Then he was uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Hung Lo, me a Hung Lo, Dr. Hung Lo. And then at the end, he was B-Dog. A lot of people don't remember what that name was. And they were just making fun of mankind. That same night, 
you had Triple H defeat the Big Show in a really shitty match to win the WWF Championship. And if you watch it, Triple H tells DX and Stephanie, stay in the back. I want to do this myself. So this was to showcase Triple H that he don't need no one else's help. And when you look back on this night, Triple H was shown on Raw 10 different times. 10 fucking times. So when you get annoyed, when you see, you know, these days, Baron Corbin or someone else come out four times, five times, Triple H came out 10 goddamn times this night on Raw. And, and in fact, you could technically even call it 11, but we'll keep it at 10. Go watch it. By the end of the night, you go, and it's interesting because you go back and you read reviews from sites that reviewed Raw as it went down in 2000, and they were like, man, what a horrible way to open up 2000. They were just, they were not, it's not that Triple H was a heel and it's just, you know, wow, bad guy. No, they just could not stand the overexposure of Triple H. This was the Triple H show in its prime. That same night, for those, you know, who listened to episode 52 last week, season one, um, as I mentioned, we had Chris Jericho taking on China for the Intercontinental Championship, resulted in a double pin. And this week in 2000 on Raw, they're trying to figure out what to do with the Intercontinental Championship because of the double pin that happened a week earlier. Stephanie McMahon made this official announcement. It seems as though we have a dilemma on our hands. Just who is the World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Champion? Everybody wants to know that. Is it China? I think so. Or is it Y2J Chris Jericho? Well, I'm sure everyone has their opinion. But I think we need to take one more look at this match to determine who the real Intercontinental Champion is. Well, certainly on the SmackDown on Thursday night, it was a China challenging Jericho for the Intercontinental Title King. And as we will see in this sequence, it was a double pin. Well, it had been a knockdown drag out right up to this point. And they were both dropped with their backs on that metal chair. had Jim Cornelius and Chad Patton have both had a different view of the of the situation. Now, you two seem to have been arguing. Mr. Referee, who do you think is the World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Champion? Without a shadow of a doubt, China. He counted out Jericho's shoulders. But it seems as though we have another referee to ask. Uh -oh. Mr. Referee, what? who do you think is the Intercontinental Champion? Most definitely, Chris Jericho. Well. Now, even though everybody has their opinion, I have made a decision. Uh-oh, here we go. Seeing as how this is the McMahon-Helmsley era, and it is a brand new millennium, and business is being done as it has never been done before. 
Say that again. Therefore, Triple H and I are going to make a ruling that has never been made before. Huh? China and Chris Jericho are both the Intercontinental Champion. What? What does that mean, King? Wait a minute, what? There's only one belt? There's only one champion? Now, now, what that means is that only one of you can defend the title at a time. And should one of you lose, I suggest you listen, Chris. This is very important to you. Should one of you lose, you both lose the championship. Wait a minute, they're both the Intercontinental Champion? Now, now, I know you two have your troubles and you might not get along so well, but if you really look at what's in the best interest for the both of you, I'm very confident you'll find a way to get along. And as I've said on previous episodes, for some reason, WWE does not acknowledge or recognize this three-week title reign between China and Chris Jericho, co-holders of the IC Championship. Oh, they'll fucking shove down our face the fact that Nicholas was a tag team champion, but for some reason, they can't acknowledge the fact or recognize that China and Jericho were co-holders of the IC title for three weeks. Go figure. Has anybody ever fucking interviewed someone there and asked them why? I'm not talking about wrestling. I'm talking about Triple H or Stephanie or something. So I want someone involved to answer that. I even think Jericho's avoided that subject. Look, Jericho goes with whatever the office says, which is the right thing to do. He's not going to question it. He's not going to fight it. He's not going to balk at it. So asking Jericho, I don't think, is the answer either. Because what do you expect him to do? Dismanagement? Yeah, that's fucked up. He's not going to do that. He's team player. He's classy. He's, you know, he's not stupid. Anyway, go to 2001. And um, I've talked about this event many times in the past. This was the last televised event that ECW had before it went out of business. Guilty as charged, 2001. I always have fond memories of this event, not only being able to sit front row and to witness it live, but this is the event when I always tell the story about bringing the six-foot heroes and hanging out backstage with Paul Heyman and everyone else. This was the night. In fact, as you have seen in the past, I posted a screenshot. Even Francine talked about it recently. Um, Since I brought the heroes, they actually used one of my father's heroes in a skit during the pay-per-view and Francine is trying to bite into the edge of the hero. And, you know, you could have interpreted it a couple of ways, you know, some of you perverts out there, but uh, very fond memories of that event. I still remember going to the event which smoked out in my car. I had a 2000 Pontiac Sunfire at the time, which was a tiny fucking car. I had originally bought it for my ex, but when we broke up, I took that shit back. Fuck that. And I remember the sunroof, even though we had the sunroof open, we're driving in January with the sunroof open and there's a cloud of white smoke coming out of my window because they're smoking weed on the entire trip. It was me smoked out and two girls. I don't remember who the girls were. They were friends of his. And um, I don't want to tell too many stories here because this is about wrestling history. This is not about growing up Don Tony, but I have fond memories from this night. It was great. 
as far as seeing it up close and personal. But, you know, when you look at it on paper, you know, ECW was close to being done. I think a lot of people in the business would admit to that. Match results from that night, dark match, Belvis Wesley over Mike Bell. You had Jerry Lynn and Cyrus over Joey Matthews at Christian York. Danny Doring and Roadkill over Easy Money and Julio De Niro. Nova over Chris Hamrick. Tommy Dreamer over C.W. Anderson in an I Quit match. I remember that being very bloody. The Unholy Alliance, Mikey Whipwreck and Tajiri over the FBI and Super Crazy and Kid Cash in a three-team elimination match. You had Simon Diamond and Johnny Swinger go to a no contest against Bulls Mahoney and Chili Willie. The Sandman over Steve Carino and Just Incredible in a tables, ladders, and chairs and canes match to win the ECW Heavyweight title. But before Sandman can celebrate, Rhino came out, beat the fuck out of Sandman, pinned him, became the ECW Heavyweight Champion, and this would be the last championship reign in ECW. Rhino would hold that title until the company went out of business. Main event from that night, RVD over Jerry Lynn. 2002, I wish I could share the audio here. Problem is, on TV, you could tell it's loud, but with the commentators and the way the audio was offered at that time, there's no way for me to play that and for you to say, wow, holy shit, unbelievable. Believe me, it is in the top three or top five all-time biggest pops to ever go down in WWF history at the Madison Square Garden. Triple H, and I can tell you that I have listeners that will still bring this up to this day. I was doing my hotline at that time. And since I'm in New York, a lot of my hotline listeners were also in New York, and they were going to the Garden big time at that time. And they went and they witnessed Triple H's return to WWE after suffering that torn quadricep injury from May of 2001. Uh, yeah, May 2001. At the time, a lot of people were fearing that it could be career ending. It was that bad of a tear. This guy came out, and all I remember on my hotline pulling messages from that night and the next day was fan after fan after fan that didn't know each other that would say to me, you know, de Blasi, Funker, because I wasn't Don Tony at the time, they would say, you have no idea how loud this pop was. We couldn't fucking even hear ourselves. They said it was so loud that you couldn't even hear the cheers. I don't know if you understand what that means. When people are cheering so loud, it becomes a pitch in your in your ear that it doesn't even sound like cheering. It's like a ringing in your ear. It is incredible. The crowd pop that this guy got when he came back. It's amazing. And you watch it on TV, you do get a little feel for it. The announcers talk about it a little bit. Later on in interviews, and WWE <clears throat> knows to this day, they will acknowledge how big of a response Triple H got that night. Arguably the biggest pop he's ever gotten. <clears throat> it was just surreal. It was surreal. But anyway, he returned. He announced that he would be entering the Royal Rumble. And for those, you know, just want to remember, Triple H would, in fact, go on to win the 2002 Royal Rumble. He would take on undisputed champion Chris Jericho at WrestleMania 18, and he would defeat Chris Jericho. Um, and that's that. So Triple H making his return this week in 2002. 
2003, we had a wedding on WWE TV. No, it's not Test and Stephanie. No, it's not Stephanie and Triple H. No, it's not fucking uh, Uncle Elmer. It was this. I, Al Wilson, take you, Don Marie, to have and to hold on this day forward. Forever. We're honest. Through sickness and through wellness or whatever, I take all the vows. Trust me, Don, trust me. He's so nervous. Such a fool. He's in his underwear. Well then, Don Marie, would you take this ring and recite your vows to Al? I've never seen a wedding like this. No, I have not either. Oh my God. I, Don Marie, take you, Al Wilson, to have and to hold from this day forward for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Well, this is touching if you're an armadillo. With these statements born of love and trust that we have just heard, it is my privilege and my pleasure to present Al Wilson and Don Maria's husband and wife. You may kiss your bride. Well, well now they're gonna seal the deal, Paul. Oh, there you go. I never thought I would. Oh, oh my God! Oh, oh, he's a little intense. Alzi Wells, he's on the mat. I never thought I'd say this, but it's Mister and Mrs. Well, we witnessed it here, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the damnedest thing I've ever seen, live on SmackDown in Albuquerque, New Mexico, two, a man and a woman got married in their underwear. You gotta love it. I'll tell you, we have seen the marriage. I'm looking forward oh. to mayhem now. We got a different shot, maybe get that camera off Al, begging our producer to do something about that. You realize Dawn Marie is Tori Wilson's stepmom, officially. Yeah, and... Al's still Tory's dad, right, I think? Look at Al, I think Al's a little excited. Oh, my God. Get the camera out. Be careful. Knock it right over. Al Wilson and Dawn Marie. Well, I'm fighting the list. Look at this. Oh, man. Well, best of luck to you, I guess. Now, as you noticed, I spared you a majority of it. If you've never seen it, go watch five minutes of it. I don't know if that was Al Wilson's real penis in his underwear. I don't know if they just put a plant in there. I don't know if they fucking put something over his penis because that fucking thing did not move. All right. I don't know. You know, I know it's hard for female audience to understand this, but for guys, you know, if you have an erection like that or if you're well hung like that, at some point while you're walking, while you're coughing, while you're doing just standing there, it's going to move a little bit. It's just science. And I'm not saying this to sound perverted. All right. I like my M&Ms without peanuts. 
All right. But I rewatched this again over the weekend uh, to cap a little bit of the audio. And when I watched the entire wedding ceremony, I focused solely on his penis. And the reason why I did that is I wanted to see if it would move even in the slightest. And that son of a bitch did not budge. So something tells me that there was something, you know, put in there, you know, but you look back on that. I mean, you know, we all always point to Katie Vick as the most uncomfortable moment on WWE television history. I don't know, man. I kind of like look back on that. And I'm just saying like, how could you fucking have your kids watching that product at the time? I remember Mick Foley and others around this time saying, I would never let my children watch WWE. That was the one thing that you heard over and over again amongst people. They just did not <laughs> like that at all. It was disgusting. Uh, Wrestling World 2004, match results from Japan. I think you appreciate this one. Gato and Jado of a Heat and Tiger Mask to retain the IWGP Junior Heavyweight titles. Jushin Thunder Lager over Takashi Sugiura, Sugiura, excuse me, to win the GHC Junior Heavyweight Championship. Hiroshi Tanahashi over Yutaka Yoshi to retain the IWGP U30 Open Cha Openweight Championship. Josh Barnett and Takashi Izuka over Katsuyori Shibata and Kazunari Mur Murakami. Bob Sapp and Keiji Muto over Choten, which is Hiroshi Tenzan and Masahiro Chono. In the main event, Shinsuke Nakamura over Yoshihiro Takayama to unify the IWGP and NWF Heavyweight Championships. Following this bout, the NWF Heavyweight title was retired, so they had just the IWGP Heavyweight title. As you heard at the beginning of this show, 2005, Kenzo Suzuki challenges John Cena to a battle rap. Whatever. Um, you know, I, I'll get into... 2006 to, to Kori uh, Shidu chapter one in Japan because there's a match on here I think you may not have known happened. We have Bad Boy Hito, Kentaro, Kanemura, Masato Tanaka over Gato, Jado, and Jushin Thunder Lager. Shinjiro Otani over Koji Kanamoto. Katsuyori Shibata over Hiroshi Tanahashi. Giant Bernard over Manabu Nakanishi. Mashihiro Chono and Hiroshi Tenzan over Shiro Koshinaka and Takao Omori to retain the IWGP Tag Team Championships. And in the main event for the IWGP Heavyweight title, Brock Lesnar retains the belt, defeating Shinsuke Nakamura. There you go. 2006, WWE releases Juventud Guerrera. Yeah, I wasn't originally going to play the match. It's only about five or six minutes long, but I'm going to share it because at this time, Hoovy had a lot of backstage issues with WWE. Um, now, when you read some websites saying that he always talked in the third person, kind of like how The Rock used to do and this and that when he would talk to people, he was fucking doing that shit in XPW. He was doing that towards the end of WCW. That's nothing new. I met Hoovy several times when uh, I was working for XPW. He was really, really very quiet. You know, it was not, you know, the crazy party that you would think. And yes, we remember the stories of WCW, the Australia tour and others where he just, you know, just really like went overboard. But in 2006, I think the guy just wanted to showcase how great of a talent he was, even though at the time WWE told the, the cruiserweights tone down the offense. 
They did not want Hoovy doing a 450 splash anymore because a month earlier when Hoovy debuted, he landed on Paul London's face and fractured a couple of bones in Paul London's face. So Hoovy was told strictly, tone down the shit in the ring. As you will hear in this match against Kid Cash, not only did he not tone it down, but reports, even going back from that night, if you read online, with that Hoovy got a little stiff with Kid Cash and was not um, communicating all that well. Like a couple of times, Kid Cash wanted to execute some moves and Hoovy would reverse it, go, you know, it just looked like a little too much offense on behalf of Hoovy. But following this match, Hoovy was let go. You be the judge. Did Hoovy go overboard in this match? The Hoovitude versus Kid Cash rematch for Armageddon. Cruiserweight Championship on the line. Hey, uh, well, hold on. By the way, what is a Mexican Salamander? Anybody know what the hell is that? It's a lizard. It's a Salamander. It's like a lizard. Like a lizard. A Salamander. Yeah, Mexican lizard. It's like a Mexican lizard from Mexico. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That is cool. I guess so. Here's a lizard from Mexico. And that's what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. The Cruiserweight Championship. Juventude versus Kid Cash one-on-one. We're joined by Ken Kennedy out here in ringside with us, who, uh, from what we understand, is a, a representative of the, the network. Yes. Uh, well, I told you before that, you know, 86%, 86% is a good number. Yes. But, like, 96 would be a hell of a lot better. 138 percent would even be better. So what's going on? Hoover two back to the corner by the cruiserweight champion Kid Cash, and Hoover two with the right hands who has taken exception to what Kid Cash has said about him over the past couple of weeks. Oh, drop kick right on the butt! Beautiful high five by Hoover two with that drop kick. And I'll tell you what, Dave Kennedy, the the, the uh, network's got to be impressed with the cruiserweights and the new cruiserweight champ Kid Cash. They are. They we love it. we love the new cruiserweights. Here's the cover hook of the leg kick out by Kid Cash. Cruiserweights can only be seen on Friday nights. Well, basically, what I was saying before is that there's always. God, I'm trying to pull a match. I know. Basically, I think the network's more impressed with that 18th. Oh, look at this! Uh-oh. The former cruiserweight champion on the top rope. And exploding on the announce table. Whoa! Front row taking a beating tonight. That front heel off the top rope. That hurt a little bit. Wow. Tell you what, talking about leaving it in the ring or leaving it out of the ring, Hoover 2 trying to regain his cruiserweight championship. Watch this. And listen. Look at that. Uh, Look at this. uh, Unbelievable. He got pretty high there. Almost as high as the ratings on the network. Good point. Great segue. And here's Hoover 2 into the cover again. And Kid Cash, the cruiserweight champion, but perhaps not for long if the Uh, offense keeps up for Hoover 2. I think Hoover 2 might have hurt his elbow. When he did that big helo dive off the top rope here, he keeps grabbing at his elbow. And here's who to. Kid Cash grabbing that foot. But then, oh, wow. A lot of impact. Now he ain't. That had to smart just a little bit. Smart. Oh, okay. Good blush. And now Kid Cash trying to get control. He's got control of the leg of Hoovertu. Here's a man after my own heart going after a body part, going after that leg. And now, full body slam by Kid Cash. Now, Kid Cash trying to set up. Look like a baby. Baby's trying to step that leg. He's got a hooping two all spread out here. Look at that. Look at this. Nobody home. Kid Cash rolled out of the way. As I should say, Hoovy rolled out of the way as Kid Cash missed with a moonsault. Kid Cash crashed and burned, man. And ducked to that clothesline. It looks like a power round kick to the hamstring. Might be going for dead levels. Can't get him. 
Hoobatude blocking dead level that time, that brain buster. Hoobatude with a kick to the midsection. Hoobie really wants that Cruiserweight Championship back. This is how you get it done. You get it done in between the ropes. Mr. Kennedy, you understand what that's about, and that knee is hurting of Hoobatude. That, of course, when Hoobatude came off the top rope and crashed into the announce table moments ago. Hey, you know what, uh, yes. the coveted 18 to 34 year old male demographic yes. is doing on Friday nights? They're watching SmackDown, typically. Oh, that's cool. And you know what the 12 to 17 year old male teams are doing on Friday nights? What? Right here, baby. They're watching SmackDown. Oh, so that's great. SmackDown See? kicking it hard. Watch out. Oh, oh. Two number ones and an 86%. Oh, look at this. Look at this. This is awesome action on Friday Night SmackDown. I'm, I'm loving this action. You can only see the Cruiserweights right here on Friday night. Got caught, got caught. The single leg Boston And I think that's the bad leg. It is the bad leg. Kid Cash caught the juice. Is he going to give? Is he going to tap? Moving to trying to make him that bottom rope, but he's in trouble center of the ring. Moving to crawling. He's back down fast, trying to will it. Moving on. The juice is close to that bottom rope. You got to reach out, my friend. He'll be trying to get there. Can he get there? They like the juice. They like the juice. That like a, the juice is good. That's like a Hispanic accent you got going on. I like what are you it. Talking about? You're doing impersonations too. What kind of juice do you drink, Cole? Uh, Kool-Aid. Huh? Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid? That's not juice. No, it's not. It's actually, it's a cold beverage, but it's not juice. You're right. It's made with lemons. It's not really juice. And the Cruiserweight Champion, Kid Cash, in all kinds of trouble. Speaking of, what a hell of a match this is. What a great match. Great night for Ken Kennedy to be out here. Watch out! Hoover 2 could be moments away from recapturing the Cruiserweight title. Here's the cover. This is a great match. This is a phenomenal match. This is how we roll on Friday Night SmackDown. Come on, Kennedy. You know oh, that. I missed it. It's good to be back. And we've missed you, my friend. It's great to have you back. I don't understand you speaking from him. You know what? These cruiserweights are exclusive to SmackDown. Right? Yes. Exactly. You are dead on, my friend. And you don't even think you're You're dialed into the network. You know, I was a cruiserweight once when I was 12. Oh, really? Yeah. I was one knob when I was about four-ish. Yeah. How about you, Cole? I'm still one. Yeah. And Hoover 2, top rope, knocked down by Kid Cash. And here comes the champion with the right hand to Hoover 2. And Kid Cash is fired up. The juice is in trouble. Oh, maybe not. You know what? I like this Kid Cash's attitude. He really lays it in. Hammer. Oh, yeah. He's a great guy. He really showed Fanaki how great he is last week. He's a pretty good guy. Well, you know, he speaks his mind. You got a problem with that, Cole? You got to be opinionated. And I'll tell you what, Hoover 2, huh? can he hold his balance with that leg? Oh, yeah. 50. Oh, that was a pretty cool move. Missed with a 450. And again, Hoover right 2 landed knee. hard on that bad knee. God, man, what a way. Put a fork in him. He's done. He just might be done. He <laughs> just might be right. Hoover 2 can't even stand up. Here it is. <laughs> there you go. A brain punch oh, the You like his attitude? I do. I, I like do. his attitude. So I think you know what? The network likes his attitude. The network picking me. I'm gonna... 2007, TNA has their final resolution pay per view from Universal Studios, Orlando, Florida. 
LAX over Lance Hoyt and Jimmy Rave. Kaz over Black Rain. Gail Kim over Awesome Kong in an ODQ match to win the knockouts title. Judas Maceus over Abyss. Booker T and Charmel over Robert Roode and Tracy Brooks. Team 3D and Johnny Devine over the Motor City Machine Guns and Jay Lethal in an Ultimate X match. For the TNA Tag Team Championships, AJ Styles and Tomko over Kevin Nash and Samoa Joe to retain. For the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, Kurt Angle retains, defeating Christian Cage. Now, wrapping up 2007, we have to do this in order. This week in 07, we had the New Year's Revolution pay-per-view from Kansas City, Missouri. The main event from that night was John Cena versus Umaga for the WWE Championship. A couple of nights earlier on Monday Night Raw, we had uh, the match that was hyped up for months and months and months, which turned out to be a, just an absolute disaster. Kevin Featherline versus John Cena. Some news. 
You see, I was just talking to Coach Man, and there's been a little change in our match. Uh-oh. See, I don't want nothing stopping me from beating your ass. Uh-oh, hey, man. <laughs> so tonight, it's gonna be a no DQ, no disqualification, anything. And now that I've said that, let me introduce my personal trainer and friend, Johnny Nitro! disqualification match indeed Nitro has trained Kate, Kevin Federline I should say no more Kate Fed we'll find out uh, how well Mr. Federline has accepted the coaching I guess we should make it clear that this is a not a WWE championship match it's a non-title match not like this coming Sunday when Cena has to face Umaga that's going to be a championship match but this is not but what a way to kick 2007 off, right, JR? Absolutely. Here on New Year's night in Miami. Oh, look at him. warm it up. He throws a pretty good punch there, JR. And now with no disqualification, he can punch John Cena all he wants to. And one would think because Federline has, you know, obviously limited wrestling experience that punching and street fighting might be his... Uh, his forte. What's this? All right, mouthpiece. Looks like he is ready to do a little punching and maybe take a punch or two. All right, this thing is ready to go, JR. Wait a minute. Obviously, uh, oh, look at those gloves, JR. What do you mean, shenanigans? This is, Payfed is getting ready to do some damage. You heard him say he loves to shock the world. I think this, I think Kevin Federline has been in some serious training. He's ready to, I think, uh, he's ready to shock John Cena here. I think referee Mike Hill to check those gloves. What are you insinuating? Exactly what I insinuated. He said, the gloves will be checked. All right. Referee Mike Kyoto ready to start this thing. Let's go. Oh, what? 
you can't wrestle a robe on. Oh, wait a minute. Well, JR, it looks like Kevin Federline may be better prepared than you thought. He may have more brains than you than you anticipated. Well, he's certainly well equipped. And the Nitro, the don't want to get concussed. The uh, ringside in this now a no disqualification matchup. There it goes. And finally, we're underway. The bell sounds. 2007 starts off with WWE champ John Cena taking on Kevin Federline. Now what? The champ saying he's. Uh, hey, John Cena just offered up a free headlock, and that's exactly what Federline's taking advantage of. Federline with a headlock on John Cena. Hey, wait a minute. Uh -oh. And Cena somewhat easily frees himself from that. Uh, I'll start to say predicament, but that might not be wholly accurate. Can't imagine the champ, John Cena, allowing Kevin Federline just to put a free headlock on him. But he did. Well, he is Kevin Federline, you know. Can you think Federline is a legitimate threat here to John Cena, even in the, under this uh, no disqualification hey, banner? Listen, with Johnny Nitro in the corner, anything can happen. Hey, look at this. Kevin Federline wants to be able to get a good grip here. Well, the gloves have come off of Kevin Federline. I think he's saying. What is this now? It's I'm not doing anything. Well, the chair is actually uh, not illegal in a no disqualification match. But... Oh, what is this? Is, is Kevin Federline wanting to do a master lock challenge? Is that what this is? Well, uh, Johnny Nitro is giving Kevin Federline a, a lot of advice, and perhaps that's what we're going to see here is a a master lock challenge from Kevin Fairline on John Cena. I don't want my money would go on this one. Well, we got to wonder how seriously John Cena is taking this match. He's just allowing Kevin Fairline to do or attempt to do and anything. Look at this. Here's the here's the master lock challenge. And here we go. It's on. Fairline and Cena. Look at the expression on John Cena's face. And Cena easily breaks the the master lock of Kevin Fairline. And Cena, I think Cena just seems to be losing his patience. Well, wait a minute. Federline. Federline has lost the gloves. There's no more headgear, and he's just thrown out his mouthpiece. Now he's, All right, now well, he's ready to get down to business. Let's get the fight in. Let's start the fight here. Wait a minute. This, is Kevin Federline asking for a test of strength? Federline has got to be smarter than I want to test a strength of John Cena. Apparently he's not. I mean, Kevin Federline trying to look. He, he took John Cena down. Oh, and, look uh, at this. Federline with a cross arm breaker, and I think Cena is Cena just simply toying with Federline here. Is that what we're seeing? Oh this, my God! The strength of John Cena. Oh my! Look the strength of the WWE champion, a man that has fu'd the Big Show. That's got to be embarrassing to Kevin Federline. Oh, wait a minute! And Nitro. Got ejected from the ring. Watch your back. Oh, oh a low blow. Federline with a 
John Cena from behind. And now Kevin Federline going to put a little bad man. No, 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 wait a minute. Cena going to take care of some here early. Here comes the FU. John Cena with the FU. Kevin Federline, look out. Oh, my God, Umaga. Umaga assaulting Cena. And remember, it's no disqualification here. Umaga is brutalizing a WWE champion. And look at Estrada in the ring with, with John Cena's championship belt. Umaga out of nowhere with his, with his handler, Estrada. What, what is Estrada instructing Umaga to do here? Wait a minute. Oh, come on no, now. No, no, no. Umaga with a WWE Championship belt hit John Cena right in the face with it. And I think John Cena is out like a light. Cena's motionless at the hands of this Samoan bulldozer who just hit Cena right in the face with Cena's own WWE Championship belt. This match continues because, remember, it was made no disqualification. Well, Cena tried his best to block that. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a Federline. Oh, you got to be kidding me. No, come on. No, you got to be kidding me. Now, you look at Kevin Federline. What else did you think he was going to do in this match? It just didn't make sense why WWE was doing this in the first place. I loved what I always remember from this match. When it first aired on TV, all right, when Federline won, he took out money from his pocket. And he just tossed it up in the air and threw it on John Cena like, you know, he doesn't need him. Reminded me of The Godfather when uh, that happened in The Godfather, when they broke the cameras and then they just, uh, Dick Sonny tossed the money on the floor. I did that with Slash at the USA Pro Wrestling event the night Don Tony was born. When uh, I broke his glasses and then I just tossed money on the floor for the glasses. You know, thank God he didn't pick them up. He just cursed me out and left. So I took the money out of the puddle and I put it back in my pocket. But Kevin Federline, after that match aired on TV, I guess they didn't like that he took the money and tossed it on the floor on John Cena. They actually had that edited out on their replays up until a couple of years ago. For years and years and years, their replays had that moment of Federline tossing the money on Cena edited out, believe it or not. But you had Umaga get involved. 
So now we have the New Year's Revolution pay-per-view and the results from that night. Jeff Hardy over Johnny Nitro to retain the IC championship that happened in a cage. You had Crime Time over the Highlanders, the world's greatest tag team, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Super Crazy, Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch. It was a gauntlet match for a future tag team title shot. Kenny Dykstra over Ric Flair, Mickey James over Victoria to retain the women's title. Rated RKO uh, fought D-Generation X to a no contest. As a result, they retain the tag titles. Chris Masters over Carlito. And in the main event, John Cena defeats Umaga to retain the WWE Championship. This was Umaga's first pinfall as Umaga in the WWE. Wrapping up 2007, it was this week in 07 that WWE signed Natty, Natalia. 2008, we had Wrestle Kingdom 2 took place in Japan. Now we have TNA involved in these matches. And again, I would love to play some highlights from this all in Japan, as far as I can find. All in Japanese lingo, language. Christian Cage, AJ Styles, and Petey Williams over Milano Collection 18, Minoru, and Prince Devitt, Finn Balor. Wataru Inoue over Christopher Daniels to retain the IWGB Junior Heavyweight title. Manabu Nakanishi over Abyss. Masato Tanaga, Tatsuyito Takeawa, Yutaka Yoshi, and Katsuyoshi Takimura over Takashi Izuka, Koji Kanemoto, Tiger Mask, and Raizuke Taguchi. Team 3D over Toji Makabe and Toriyano in a hardcore tag team match. You have Ricky Choshu, Masahiro Chono, Jushin Thunder Lager, Akira, and Tatsumi Fujinami over Jado, Gato, Taro, Shuji Kondo, and Brother Yashi. Great Muda over Hiroki Goto, Giant Bernard, and Travis Tomko over the Steiners. They retain the IWGP tag titles. Now, the third belt, the IGF version of the IWGP heavyweight title, Kurt Angle retains it over Yuji Nagata. And the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, Shinsuke Nakamura over Hiroshi Tanahashi to win the title. Now we go to 2010. TNA Impact live goes head-to-head with Monday Night Raw for the first time ever. And I got news for you. That night, it was a rating success for TNA. Think about it compared to today's ratings. Hulk Hogan's segment when he came out and debuted for Impact Wrestling on TV, that did 3 million viewers. TNA Impact that night averaged 2.2 million viewers. It was phenomenal. Problem is, is that WWE that night averaged 5.6 million viewers. Again, compare that to today. It's amazing how much ratings have declined. But we had uh, some returns in TNA that night. We had some debuts that night. Um, Ric Flair after retiring from WWF, having the WrestleMania match, the tribute to him, he showed up on TNA and actually uh, started wrestling uh, in TNA wrestling. I know it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Sean Morley, uh, a.k.a. Val Venus, made his debut. We had Jeff Hardy, Jeff Jarrett, Sting, Sean Waltman, and Scott Norton, uh, excuse me, Scott Hall make their returns. The Nasty Boys, Orlando Jordan, Bubba the Love Sponge, they also debuted. Hogan and Bischoff are on the show. So it was a pretty big deal. And you look back on it, it is kind of ridiculous when you just remember all the problems that Jeff Hardy had at the time with the law and narcotics and substance abuse. 
I don't know if anybody even realizes this, but the same day that Impact went live head-to-head with WWE for the first time ever and Jeff Hardy made his return to TNA, that same day he was in court and indicted in Moore County, North Carolina on felony drug possession of cocaine, drug trafficking, two counts of intent to distribute, and it was a pretty big deal at the time. Now, thank God... Jeff Hardy, you know, he got off on most of those charges and he has cleaned up his act since then. So let's give nothing but praise for Jeff Hardy for turning it around. But it's amazing to think back and to realize that the same day he's being indicted on all these drug charges, TNA decides, yeah, we'll bring him back and we'll put him on TV and he'll make his TNA return. Yeah, whatever. Now, the, the problem with TNA, obviously, since then, you get a rating like that you think you can continue to compete that way. So I think it was in March of 2010, they decided that they were going to go back to Monday nights and try to compete with WWE once again. And they got demolished. They got demolished. But for one night and one night only, I remember covering this on the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle show. The archives are still up there. It was a very interesting night to see TNA versus WWE. Um, sure, I mean, TNA had a lot of surprises that night, but the overall product, a lot of people feel, suffered mightily after that. And it was a turning point, but they got crazy-ass exposure from it. And again, think about the ratings of today to realize Hogan drew $3 million on impact, and TNA that night averaged $2.2 million. Sometimes you think WWE would love to have those numbers. Sometimes they usually average more, but we've heard, you know, worse in recent memory with WWE. You know what? Before we exit 2010, I'll share with you part of Bret Hart's return to Monday Night Raw. It was really cool to see Bret back in the WWE after 12 year absence. You know, obviously he had the stroke. He had the incident with Goldberg, his brother Owen passing away. A lot of shit went down in the life of Bret Hart. And uh, the CM back, it was good. I mean, you know, the skits were eh. You know, the end of Raw where Vince kicks him in the nuts, that sets up the WrestleMania match between the two. You know, that was what it was. But to see him bury the hatchet with Shawn Michaels was cool. I'm going to share that moment with you now. When you go back and you view it, though, it would have been nice to see Shawn Michaels smile a little bit. Seriously, you know, no smile at all making his first appearance on Raw in over 12 years. Ladies and gentlemen, Brett the Hitman
Well, I guess hell froze over. I know there's a lot of people out there that are wondering why I'm here tonight and why now. But you know, I've had a long time to think about things. It's been 12 years since I've been back in the WWE. And it's, uh, it's an amazing feeling. You know, for the last few years, I've tried so many times to find a way to come back. But every time I tried to come back, Vince McMahon would, would always decline and tell me not that it wasn't possible. But I just want to say that I'm grateful for this moment right now to be here and to be able to talk to the WWE Universe. You know, the most important thing I got to say right now It's nice to be back. You know, I just want to say this is a chance for me to, to say to all my fans all around the world, thank you so much for never letting me be forgotten. I owe everything that I am today and I've been in my whole life to the WWE Universe and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for carrying me in your hearts for all these years. Never to be forgotten. As I stand here right now, I feel myself flooded with millions of memories, great memories. In fact, I can remember being right here at the Nutter Center and winning the very first King of the Ring. One of my proudest moments and one of my proudest nights. As a matter of fact, I think I remember at the end of it that uh, Jerry Lawler jumped me and, uh, well, hey, King, nice to see you. Hi, Hitman. Some things never change. Anyway, there's another reason why I'm here tonight, and I'm going to get right to the point. I got 12 years of things that I've wanted to get off my chest, and the very first thing I want to do as I want to call back there and ask Shawn Michaels to come out here and see me face to face. Whoa. Well, the hitman not wasting any time. And there's Shawn Michaels, who's always been in the eye of the storm, and of course he was 12 years ago at Survivor Series. And I can tell you, King, this is the first time, the first time since November of 1997 that Shawn Michaels will have had any contact at all with Bret Hart. I don't know about you, but I got some goosebumps going on my spine right now. What is going to happen here? Have they let it go? Have they let the incident go? Or will all those emotions come rushing back and overwhelm these two men tonight? I don't know, but like Bret Hart said at the beginning, apparently hell has frozen over. Shawn Michaels. 
I'll just call you Sean. I think I'd like to take this opportunity right now to bury the hatchet with you and call for a truce. First of all, Hitman, before you come out here and get your closure, there's something I've been waiting 12 years to say to you. The fact is, you deserved what happened 12 years ago in Montreal. You disrespected me, and you disrespected this business, and yes, I did have a hand in what Vince McMahon did that night. I rest my case. And there's a part of me, there's a big part of me, that doesn't regret a bit of it. But there's another part of me. There's another part of me that knows that in the last 12 years, a lot of things have changed. A lot of things in my life have changed. You know, Brett, I always respected you. I just never felt you respected me. And there were times when I couldn't stand the sight of you. And I know, I know the feeling is more than mutual. But you know something? When I think of Bret Hart, I don't think of Montreal. I think of Anaheim, California. I think of a 60-minute iron match. A 60-minute iron match that everybody said nobody'd want to see. And they certainly wouldn't want to see it on pay-per-view. They said nobody could do it. Yeah, Brett the Hitman Hart and Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels went out there and they did do it. And they redefined everything that this industry ever stood for. When I think of Bret Hart, I think of the excellence of execution. You're not the only one, Brett. That's been carrying this around for 12 years. You're not the only one that's ready to move on. You're not the only one that wants to bury the hatchet. 
I guess all I have to say is, are you sure? And are you ready? Well, let's be real honest. You weren't the easiest guy in the world to love either back then. And you're a guy that certainly had his issues. But you're right. My career and your career shouldn't always be tagged by what happened at Survivor Series. I had a great career. You've had a great career. We both accomplished so many things. I think it's a good, as good a time as any right here and now for you and me to take this opportunity in front of all these fans right here in Dayton and all around the world. To look each other in the eye and take this moment and say that we could be friends. So I offer my hand to you in friendship. Right here in front of everybody, right from the heart, right from the bottom of my heart. I call for a truce and I call for you to shake my hand and if you want to bury the hatchet, Let's bury it right now. Two thousand and twelve. I had to trim this down because I think it would really piss you off. We had a return in WWE after a 16-month absence, Chris Jericho. And this was the night when he returned. And that night, he trolled the fans. The following week, he trolled the fans. The following week, he trolled the fans. Would not cut promos. Just smiling. All right, baby! Yeah, 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 yeah! And... At the time, it was fucking funny. I remember covering it on the DTKC show. We were like, okay, what the fuck is this? But then, you know, the trolling just was priceless. And it was great because that night, by the end of the night, you know, and you read some people writing recaps. Now they're like, oh, Chris Jericho's smile went away at the end of the night and he frowned and he left the earth. No, he never fucking left the smile. He was still smiling on the rampway when he walked into the back. But he kept showing the smile and kept cheering and showing excitement so much that the fans started getting a little annoyed at that. And that was the goal. So here is a condensed version of what went down this week in 2012 when Chris Jericho made his return to WWE TV after a 16-month absence. You have brought this upon yourself. A familiar force shall arrive to claim what is his. She holds the mystery of my rebirth. For when I beckon her, I will return to claim what is mine. It's time. 
last year.
Snake off. Can't exit 2012 without a little controversy. Let me paint this picture. We had Kevin Nash make his WWE return. His hair is dyed black now. Did great. I enjoyed him. I know a lot of you did as well. He was having that little feud with Triple H. You know, the feud itself was kind of Shangata fine, whatever. So at the same time, this is all happening. A fan asks Ultimate Warrior online, you know, why don't you make one more nostalgic run? You know, like Kevin Nash did. And Warrior's response was, and I quote, that he's not a dickhead who thrives on stealing the limelight from young guys. Well, Kevin Nash was not thrilled about that. And Kevin Nash would go on to use a plethora of profanity and basically challenge Warrior to an MMA fight for $100,000. Well, Ultimate Warrior, instead of Typing his response like Kevin Nash originally did. Warrior decided to go on YouTube on his channel and say these memorable words. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Warriors, Warrior Man here. Let me respond to the, um, the feeding frenzy that's taking place out in the digital la-la land. Kevin, it's been a long time. And this is what I've got for you, buddy. You know, it's interesting to me that uh, such a big, strong, powerful, tough guy as yourself is so damn sensitive to some truth. I mean, for years, you and the other guys, you go out there, you make up lies, you tell lies, trying to destroy my reputation personally and professionally. It just seems like after all this time that you would be a little bit more open-minded, maybe even friendly to hearing some truths told about yourself. Because the challenge that you offer me doesn't change the truth about what I said. And that's what's most important about this video I'm recording and what I want to say. Everybody in the business, everybody from the top talent all the way down to the ring crew, hell, even the people that work the concession stands at the arenas, they know what kind of two-bit, two-faced, backstabbing manipulator you are. They know what kind of conniver you are. They know what kind of phony motherfucker you are. They know what kind of wicked, nasty, dirty means you will go to to hold on to your spot in an organization, holding other young guys down, keeping them from their chance at their own success. 
Everybody knows, Kevin, that you're a cheater and a thief, afraid to compete on merits alone. This isn't in dispute. Even your friends, those you call your friends, know this about you. Nobody is taking the stand in your defense. The only reason you have a job at WWE is because you've got a good friend over there, your good friend Polly, one of the original members of the clique. And everybody knows, again, everybody from the top talent to the ring crew to the people that work the concession stand, they know that he's the same kind of vile, contemptible human being that you are and that he has operated his life and his business in sports entertainment the same way that you have that he's envious and he's petty and he's done everything within his means and he's got some pretty powerful fucking means, I will have to admit that. He's done everything within his means to hold other young promising talent down, totally just snuff out entirely their chance at having success in the business. I wanna correct you about something you said because I want the record to be straight. I don't talk shit about the boys, the young guys, those are the ones I consider the boys. They don't get any criticism from me. They get the level of respect and admiration they deserve as they go about trying to make their own way in a very tough and challenging business. I do, though, tell the truth and call absolute bullshit on guys like you, guys who have had their time in the business, had their runs in the business, had great success in the business, and are still in the business beyond their time to be there. Hogging the limelight, scheming politically to hold their spot, devouring a huge chunk of the talent budget, and thereby robbing the boys, the young guys, their chance at succeeding in the business on their own, in their own right, by their own merits. And I stand by what I said before. Let me personalize it for you. Pack your fucking gear bag, Kevin. Do the right thing and take your ass home. Now, I went back through the videos I've done over the last few years, a lot of them, not all of them, and I looked at the commentaries, some of them that I've, the commentaries I posted and the comments I made, and I didn't find any place where I ever said I had a dream to be an MMA fighter or that I was training to be an MMA fighter or that I trained in a style as MMA fighters do. So that part of your challenge is a little odd and confusing, considering that, you know, because I'm into exercise and fitness for all these years and in a hardcore way, that I am totally aware of the long-term, intense, uh, and disciplined training that goes into preparing for something like that. Um, I mean, let's face it, Kevin. You're in the business that is a work for the same reason that I'm not pounding my chest, cutting Ultimate Warrior promos, that I'm the baddest motherfucker on the planet. Because both of us would have our asses completely handed to us by nearly every MMA fighter that is out there on any MMA card. Now, if you're serious that you want to play by MMA rules, i got to ask myself why it is that you're waiting around and you're not doing that. My suggestion would be that you pack your gear bag and go home. 
and then maybe pick up the phone and call Brock or uh, call Dana White directly and see if they can accommodate you in fulfilling your fantasy because I am not, not by the timeline and the terms that you've offered. Anyway, you know, the saddest part about your offer is, well, the money. I know that that's not a revelation to anybody because I have a reputation for always being on top of my money or paying particular attention to money side of things. And, you know, there are a lot of mischaracterizations out there about me that um, will never be cured. But there is one that doesn't exist, and it is that I learned my money business well, and I practice it even better. In fact, you did an interview some time ago where you were complimenting me about that and saying nearly the exact same thing that I'm saying now. So I, I just wonder how you came up with the silly-ass idea that I would ever be interested in going back to any kind of ring for the chump change that you've offered. Or, if I'm understanding this thing correctly, or that I would put my own money up sort of as an entry fee to participate in an event um, where only other people are going to profit. And I'm pretty goddamn sure that those other people can't be trusted to begin with. Um, I think the thing to do, based on what you've actually offered, is, is that you should keep your money because you need it worse than I do. But if you want to set a date several months into the future, so that I can employ the intense and disciplined training that I'm known for, that I use to succeed in the business at a higher level than any of you guys, and you have some investors who want to put some big money up, and let me be clear about that right now so people don't think that I'm leading them on, let me just say that adding one zero to the figure that you've offered isn't going to buy my interest. <clears throat> if you have investors that can come up with big money, to get my interest, I will happily oblige you in your challenge. Happily. One other condition of the deal would be that the negotiations are open to the public so they can see exactly what takes place. If that doesn't work for you, then my advice is this. It's best that you keep your distance from me. Because if you touch me, different than you may fantasize about, you're not going to enjoy the outcome or consequences. And because you have to work at the job you have, neither are you going to be able to afford them. If you decide not to heed that advice, then you should come prepared to kill me, Kevin, because I will never, ever, never, ever apologize to you or any man for simply speaking the truth. So there you go, Kevin. I have assisted you in being relevant for the last 48 hours. 
You're going to have to go it on your own from here on out. In fact, this is the last time I'm ever going to defend myself or defend the better man that I have become in my life to anybody in the business. Anybody in the business today or anybody in the business that I worked with before. None of you are worth it. And I'm done doing it. Now, now, if you'll excuse me, I have a very real and a very wonderful life to get back to. Now, Kevin Nash has talked a little bit publicly in interviews about this sense. And Kevin Nash on a U shoot recently had this to say as far as why he originally made the challenge. After you challenged the Ultimate Warrior to an MMA fight in January 2012, he went on to respond by saying, quote, Everybody in the business, from the top talent to the ring crew, knows what a two-bit, two-faced, backstabbing manipulator you are. You know what kind of conniver you are. They know what kind of phony motherfucker you are. They know what kind of wicked, nasty, dirty means you will go to to hold on to your spot in an organization, holding other guys down, keeping them from their chance at their own success. He also added, everybody knows that you're a cheater and a thief and afraid to compete on merits alone. Where do this, all, all this animosity come from, uh, considering that you were in previous interviews, you said, I like Jim, we seem to get along fine in Scottsdale. I called him out. Do you know what satisfaction I got from that whole thing? I fucking took in about seven seconds of my day and put a tweet out. That motherfucker, if you watch it, there's more edits in that rebuttal than Titanic. <laughs> well, he ran with it. I mean, but I mean, it's like he spent the better part of two days to con I wouldn't I, I wouldn't fight you for a million dollars hell I wouldn't fight you for ten times that so you really there's not a human being on this planet that I wouldn't fight for a million dollars worst case scenario you get knocked the fuck out you're gonna tell me you're not gonna fight somebody for a million dollars. What was the genesis of this? Why did you first tweet that? He fucking was running his mouth, he was saying shit about me. It fucking got out, he fucking went back and erased all of his tweets. Uh -huh. So I said, well, if you're gonna fucking say something, say something, you bitch. And he didn't say anything back, so I said, well, I said, I said how about this? I said, I'll put about 100 grand, you put about 100 grand, we'll just have a little fucking, little cage fight. Kidding. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, because he's fucking completely fucking batshit crazy. He went with it. Now, look, any longtime listener knows I am a huge fan of The Ultimate Warrior. Never left the bandwagon. When it was cool to shit on him when that DVD came out, always defended him. Never watched that video. With that said, though, I think Warrior should have chose his words a little bit differently originally. There was no need to really rip the shit out of Kevin Nash. Even if he felt that way, you didn't need to mention the dying hair and stuff like that. I would have just made a more generalistic statement, but he did, and the rest is history. 2013, uh, after The Rock started making fun of John Cena with the fruity pebbles and shit like that, well, John Cena lands a deal to appear on a box of fruity pebbles cereal. It's collectible on eBay, by the way. 2014, Caitlyn requests from WWE and is granted her release. Wrapping up 2014, we had a, an old school episode of Monday Night Raw. 
Two things I always remember from that night. Yes, we had appearances from Piper and Slaughter and a lot of others, which was cool. I enjoyed that episode. What I found funny was the very end of Raw when Jake the Snake Roberts came out. Obviously, because of his appearance, he is most remembered from this episode of Raw. But here's a great case where sometimes you pick up a little audio when you listen to these instead of just watching it on TV. Here's Jake the Snake Roberts' appearance from that night. Take note of the uh, little reminder that the referee tells Jake Roberts in the background. You'll pick it up in this clip. Absolutely incredible. CM Punk going for the go to sleep on Roman Reigns. Elbows to the side of the face.
One more moment from that night I want to share. And as the years go by, it stands out to me even more. And in no way, shape, or form am I criticizing Paul Heyman. He's entertaining as fuck. I don't get sick of Paul Heyman cutting promos. I wonder how many are. Maybe not consciously, but subconsciously. I want you to hear this promo that Paul Heyman cut the night of Old School Raw 2014. He's got Brock Lesnar in the middle of the ring. Brock Lesnar is wearing a specific shirt. And as you're hearing it, I want you to think of today's product. Tell me that if this exact same promo was not cut on an upcoming episode of Monday Night Raw, that it wouldn't sound exactly the same. Then you stop and realize it's been that many years and they're identical. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman. And here comes the best part. And I stand before you tonight as the advocate for the self-proclaimed number one contender for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, the Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar. Ladies and gentlemen, my client wants me to convey to you his dismay over the public's misconception over this term, old school. You see, old school, according to my client, is not trudging out these, well, Brock doesn't want me to call them old timers, so we'll call them legends, legends. Let's not trudging out these legends and giving them their last hurrah. That's, That's not old school. According to my client, Brock Lesnar, old school is when one man reigns supreme and every single solitary member of that locker room comes out and challenges that one man, that one champion for the right to be the man in sports entertainment today. That's old school like as brock pointed out to me in the back back in the day bruno san martino reigned supreme and every single solitary member of that locker room wanted a piece of bruno san martino that's old school back in the day as brock pointed out hulk hogan reigned supreme And every single member of that locker room wanted a piece of Hulk Hogan because they wanted to be that one man. Back in the day, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, We're not out here seeking your acceptance to the names that I'm dropping right now. Stone Cold Steve Austin reigned supreme and every member of that locker room wanted to come out and challenge Steve Austin for the right to be the one man who reigned supreme. That's 
old school. And that's how it is again today because today one man reigns supreme. One man, one man is the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. And after the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, whether that one man is John Cena or whether that one man is Randy Orton, you might as well just put an expiration stamp on the back of their neck because their time will be very limited because after the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, whoever is the one man that reigns supreme, that man will have a target on his back and coming after that WWE World Heavyweight Champion will be the self-proclaimed number one contender, the Beast Incarnate himself, Brock Lesnar! Now, this is where the facts are even more interesting than the hype. Let's not undersell my client Brock Lesnar. There's nobody in WWE or even in mixed martial arts or professional sports that can compare to Brock Lesnar's ability to reign supreme as the number one man today. Last week, the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, took Brock Lesnar up on that challenge. And what happened to this Olympian? Brock Lesnar had no advance warning. Brock Lesnar had no time to prepare for this challenge. Brock Lesnar had no strategy. And what did Brock Lesnar do? Brock Lesnar laid Mark Henry to waste, gave Mark Henry the most savage beating of Mark Henry's entire illustrious career. But you know as well as I do, don't you? It doesn't matter who came down that aisle. Anybody, big or small, old school or new school, that comes up against Brock Lesnar is going to end up being a loser. Because ladies and gentlemen, my client Brock Lesnar's life really is like a t-shirt. Eat, sleep, Conquer, repeat, eat, sleep, conquer, repeat. Now, I know it's the unpopular question to ask, and I don't mean it consciously. Maybe subconsciously you feel this way. You think after all of these years, maybe you're getting a little sick of hearing the same thing said over and over again. I don't know. Just asking a question. 2015, the first of two. This Week in History. TNA debuts on a new cable channel. First, this week in 15, they debut on Destination America. To hype up this live impact, they have Bobby Lashley defeat Bobby Roode to win the TNA Heavyweight Championship. Same week on WWE Raw, we had John Cena Appreciation Night. You remember that clusterfuck? Well, let's set this up a little bit. Go back to Survivor Series. You had John Cena's team win. As a result, the authority were no more on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Sting made his surprise appearance, hit uh, Triple H with a move, and helped Dolph Ziggler pin, I think, Seth Rollins, blah, 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 blah. Now the authority are back in full force. So they decide they were going to fuck with Cena's team. First off, killing all the momentum that Dolph Ziggler was building and culminated from Survivor Series winning that thing. They had him lose the IC championship to Wade Barrett. 
this week on Raw. Then at the very end, we had the authority come out to address Ryback, Eric Rowan, and Dolph Ziggler. John Cena was also in the ring, and this is what they did. And take note of how fucking dead the crowd is. Welcome to John Cena Appreciation Night. I know all of you probably have great admiration for John Cena. After, yeah, actually you did. You proved that you have great admiration for him when you unwisely joined his team at Survivor Series. And we told you at the time there would be consequences to doing so. And quite frankly, the thing is you'd won. There were gonna be no consequences. You'd won, the authority was gone. And then John Cena threw that all away. And he threw you right back into the fire. So let's get to those consequences. Let's start with Eric Rowan. Yeah. Steph, Eric Rowan really kind of came into this at the last second, though. He wasn't really a big player in this until the very end where he was brought in on some misguided freedom thing. He entered into this match, dare I say it, sheepishly. <laughs> now, that being said, Eric, we do have to give you some sort of punishment. We can't let this go. So, what do you think, Steph? Maybe... 30 days, no pay? 30 days suspension. Well, how's that sound? What do you think? Well, Maybe 30, 30 days, days, no pay. Rowan, 30 days. I mean, what are we going to do for Ryback, the turncoat? You know, the, the power-hungry big guy, the one who had joined Team Authority and then turned his back on us to, as you said earlier, unwisely join Team Cena. I mean, that, that repercussion should be, what, at least double. Well, yeah, if you're going to give Rowan 30, you've got to give... Him at least 60 days at off with no 60, pay. But right? Like if you're going to go 60 days for Ryback, though, for turning like that, I mean, what are you going to do for Dolph Ziggler? Hmm. I mean, Dolph Ziggler put the final nail in the coffin. Well, with the help of the painted up goof sting. But you put the final nail in the coffin. So, I mean, if he's going to get 30 days, he's going to get 60 days. So, I mean, Dolph would get what? You got any thoughts? 90 days. Ooh. 90 days? <laughs> what a thought. 90, that's a long time, Good three guess. months, but that's a bold gesture on your part. Let me think here. 90 days. To... Hold on, we, we have to... Do you mind stepping over there? We need to privately have a, a discussion conference. for a Just second us. while we think Excuse about us. this. Excuse us. Pardon us. They're having their own conference. Sorry, it'd be just one second while we think about this for a minute. Trust me, you'll all appreciate this. What is going on here, guys? Hold on, almost there. I, I think know. you're right, Steph. I think, I think there's just one thing. Well, we've come to our decision, and instead of suspending you, Dolph, Ryback, Rowan, you're all fired! 
and you can all thank and appreciate John Cena, the man standing behind you for losing your livelihoods in that very ring here tonight. John, you've successfully made three men lose their livelihoods and you have reinstated the authority. Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it for John Cena! Two thousand and sixteen, rumors started to fly this week. Back in sixteen, AJ Styles, Nakamura, Gallows, and Anderson—they were going to be leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling to sign with WWE. Also, this week in two thousand sixteen, we had the Wrestle Kingdom ten event. One of you know, you look at Wrestle Kingdom ten, eleven, and twelve. Each one, arguably, match of the year candidates. You think of the main events that took place these nights. You had Okada over Tanahashi to retain the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, arguably match of the year 2016. Then you had Wrestle Kingdom 11, Okada over Kenny Omega, another top-notch match. Then the one that everybody is still talking about, because we live in the United States, obviously we follow American wrestling more than anything else. You had Chris Jericho fight Kenny Omega. Uh, no DQ match for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. You had Kenny Omega win, retains the title, 35 minutes, and just an awesome match to see Chris Jericho to still do it at that high of a caliber. This day and age was fucking phenomenal. Not to mention, you also had Okada versus Tetsuya Naito for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship that night. So, you know, if you want to get a nice taste of New Japan Pro Wrestling and get introduced, you cannot go wrong with Wrestle Kingdom 10, 11, and 12. There are others, but from top to bottom, really solid events. Excellent, excellent. 2016, TNA makes their debut on Pop TV. Now, remember, they were all fucked up with Destination America going into this. So they had all this controversy with Matt Hardy winning the heavyweight title and then having to give it back because EC3 was going to file a lawsuit. And then they did a tournament, and the tournament ended up with Matt Hardy versus EC3 once again for the heavyweight title. And that tournament was designed to just buy time because the TV was all fucked up. Well, we're finally on Pop TV we finally have their first impact from the Pop TV era. And in the main event, EC3 wins the TNA World Title Series and Heavyweight Title, defeating Matt Hardy. This was shortly before Matt Hardy started becoming broken. But it wasn't a bad event. I actually have sung the praise for EC3 for several years now. But um, once again, you know, their return to TV and, you know, look at it now. Since then, they are now off of Pop TV and they're on Pursuit. And it's no longer TNA, it's Impact Wrestling. 
Wrapping up 2016, WWE taped a pilot show that they were going to air, targeted for children, called WWE Kids. They taped two matches, and I think kids were the ones doing the commentary, the announcing. And then they realized, um, yeah, we gave Nick a fucking title. Well, you know what? They, they didn't even give Nick the title yet. That fucking shit happened, what, two years later. So they have this mindset of having kids winning belts, doing commentary, doing play-by-play. That's about fucking pleasing the adults. And if the kids want to watch and the parents let them, oh, fucking horrible. Anyway, Becky Lynch over Natty, Big Show over Heat Slater. Uh, This pilot never aired on the network or TV. There's been no footage leaked as well. Probably in a good way. Who the fuck wants to hear kids? Look, none against kids. When we were kids, we used to pretend to play by play and everything, but it was pretend. We're going to wrap this up momentarily. First, I got to share with you 2017 SmackDown. Contract signing. Royal Rumble was going to have AJ Styles defending the WWE World Heavyweight Championship against John Cena. And this night in 2017 on SmackDown, they did a contract signing. Daniel Bryan was the GM, AJ Styles, the heavyweight champion, John Cena, the challenger. All three are in the ring. And this was the promo exchange between AJ Styles and John Cena. And after it's done, I'm going to share with you a little statistic that I found doing my research that will probably piss off a lot of people. Daniel, why are we doing this? Why? Why? Uh, listen, you and I go back over a dozen years. We're cut from the same cloth, you and I. From the same, you know, we, we've competed in small towns or high school gyms in, in front of barely nobody because we loved what we did in this ring. That's what we did. You and I. But this guy, this guy right here, he's not like us. He is off television for four months. He comes back and gets a championship title match against me. How does this work? Tell me, how does this work? AJ, I understand where you're coming from, but I hope you understand where I'm coming from. You see, SmackDown Live is on the roll. Last week, we beat Raw in the ratings for the first time ever. And why? Because AJ Styles headlined that show. Why? Because John Cena made his big return on that show. And we need to keep the momentum going to the Royal Rumble. And how do we do that? By giving everybody the biggest match possible. The match that everybody talked about and the match that everybody's gonna talk about. AJ Styles versus John Cena. Listen. This is the match that everybody wants, and this is the match that we are going to give them. And 
And AJ, I don't know what you're worried about. You beat John three times already. So, good luck, gentlemen. You are the luckiest man on this planet. You've been gifted a title match from a guy who basically is your brother-in-law. But, 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 but Daniel Bryan is right. We gotta do what's best for SmackDown and truthfully, it's best for AJ Styles. Cause my Look how the tables have turned. It was last year, John, you, with this championship on your shoulder, told me that I needed a win to prove that I belong in the WWE. Because if I didn't, I was just an overrated indie guy. That's what you said. But here I am, WWE champion, telling you, if you don't get a win, you don't belong in the WWE. And if you didn't hear, Brian, yeah, I beat you not once, not twice, but three times. You wanna do this right here? Great, great, great. No one saw you, John, because you weren't here. You were a ghost. And SmackDown Live, for the first time, beat Raw in the ratings because I was champion, not you. Because of me, John, not you. Spoiler alert. We can do it without you, John. AJ, I, I got a lot of respect for you. No, 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 don't start with that. Don't start. Don't start with that respect. You're just covering your tracks. I heard you on Talking Smack. Everybody heard you. They asked you about The Rock, and you said everything I said about him was wrong. After dogging him, now you come back and say, I was wrong. It's as simple as that. No, John, you were right. You said The Rock was a phony. He lost his passion and he left you guys high and dry. You told the truth about The Rock and guess what, John? It's the truth about you. Listen, I'll give you credit, John. John Cena has been great for the WWE. For a long time, has been great. But notice the two words in that sentence. Has been. Hey, John, look at me, John. You know what's really pathetic about you? 
that when you look in the mirror, you know when it comes to Hollywood, you will never be as good as The Rock. And when it comes to this ring, you will never be as good as AJ Styles. AJ, part of being a man is being humble enough to admit that you were wrong. Part of being a man, which you know nothing about, is also being able to apologize. Big part about being a man. If somebody pushes you over the line, you stand up for yourself and you push back. You just made the biggest mistake of your life. You pissed off John Cena. And you are right. I actually do need a win to prove that I belong because it chumps like you to think I already left. Well, you pushed me, AJ. Allow me to push back. I just lost all respect for you and think you're nothing but a punk little bitch. And you want to know, you want to know why everybody's talking about John Cena versus AJ Styles at the Royal Rumble. Because everybody that has ever despised me actually believes that you are the guy to replace me. But deep, deep in the back of their mind, they know I've made a career out of shutting people's mouths. And when they yap really loud, I just make them eat their words. So congratulations, AJ Styles. You finally had the courage to bow up to John Cena. I'm about to make you feel as stupid as you look. You say I got no love for this place. You say I left it high and dry. You say I got no passion. I destroyed my shoulder. They said I'd be out for a year. I was back in four months. That's passion. You, you only go where they tell you to go. I go so hard they tell me to stop. That's passion. Every night you walk down this ramp, you walk down the ramp because you have to. I walk down this ramp every night because I want to. That's passion. And the reason chumps like you say I'm gone Hollywood because anybody else in my shoes would have already gone, but I'm still here. And that's passion.
So now you sign the contract, and it's one signature away from being official. AJ Styles versus John Cena at the Royal Rumble. I need this match. You need this match. They need this match, because this is more. This is more than just you and me. Because you're no different than any other person who's ever said Cena sucks or tried to knock me off. They chant Cena sucks. They chant has been. They step up to do their best, but realize on their best day, they could never be me. So here's what you do. At the Royal Rumble, you bring your family, you bring your friends, you bring the noise, you bring your A-game, and I'm still gonna kick your ass and take that championship. Why? Because I'm John Cena, recognized. And here's a little statistical tidbit. Feel free to do some research and find the answer as well. But ever since that night, between that promo exchange, not only did AJ Styles lose the WWE World Heavyweight Championship to John Cena, but since that night, John Cena and AJ Styles would wrestle each other as of this recording 10 times, one-on-one. John Cena has won every single match since then. John Cena has gone 10 and 0 since that night on SmackDown. Interesting. Notable birthdays this week. Those celebrating birthdays who are no longer with us. Happy birthday to Doug Gilbert, Jim Landis, Roy Shire, Professor Toro Tanaka, Chavo Guerrero Sr., Awesome Kong, not the female, Jeep Swenson, Scott Ledoux, Lord Littlebrook, Hideyuki Nakazawa, Alberto Torres, The Mummy, Soroguami, Pat Kennedy, Motoko Baba, Chris Canyon, Mark Manson, Cinta De Oro, Mike Lazansky, Mike Lane, Jerry Monty, Joey Kidman, The Mighty Wilbur, and Ludwig Borga. Happy birthday to all of you. God rest your souls. Manuel Soto turned 78. Shogun, KY Wakamatsu turned 77. Jimmy Hart, 75. Jim Ross, 67. Precious turned 64. Jim Powers, 61. Steve Cox, 60. Ryo De Alisco Jr. turns 59. It's amazing both these guys share the same birthday and the same age. Vic Rimes and New Jack, they turn 56. Conan, Jacqueline, and Stuka turn 55. LaParka Jr., 53. Guy Metzger, 51. Black Warrior and Kimberly Page turn 50. Fantastic, 49. Jocelyn, 48. Shinobi, 47. Cuervo, Simon Sermon, and Danny Devine turn 45. Azumi Ayuga, 44. Pamela Paulshock, Osami Shibuya, and Ben Hur turn 43. Daisuke Watanabe and Robbie Phoenix turn 42. Antonio Honda, 41. Captain Steve Swallow, 39. I think that's an Indian gimmick, not if you're thinking what I'm thinking. Wes Draven turns 37. Ronan and Vita Scott, 35. Ayako Sato, 33. Willie Mack, Kenji Takashima, and Huracan Jr. turn 32. 
Jack Gallagher, 29, Dynamite Dave, 28, and Alpha, happy birthday to you, turns 22. Notable debuts this week in history. Ernie the Cat Lad debuted in 63, Stan Hansen in 73. Rhonda Singh in 1979, Conan and Art Bar in 87, Necro Butcher in 98, and Kyrie Sane debuted in 2012. And finally, notable deaths this week, those who passed away this week in wrestling history. Bobby Manigoff died at age 83. Bronco Nagurski and St. Clone Anaya died at 81. Herb Bergeson died at 79. Mean Gene Oakland at 76. The Mighty Igor at 70. Leo Savage, 66. Cowboy Lane died at 56. Buddy Knox, 55. Trevor Adonis, 53. Volano, number one, at 52. Randy Barber at 50. Kung Fu at 49. Big Val Puccio, 45. Jack Rush, 44. My good friend Timmy Arson, I miss you, buddy, died at age 39. And Gary Albright died at age 36. With that, I thank you for tuning in to Season 2, Episode 1 of This Week in Wrestling History. Follow me on Twitter, at DonTonyD, the website, DonTony.com. Email me, DonTony, at DonTony.com. Facebook.com slash DTKC show. We have a Reddit. It is reddit.com slash DTKC show. And once again, if you like what we do, want to help support the shows, help us keep the bills paid, keep these free for everyone, keep us in business. Consider our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Don Tony. $5 is all it needs. Not only do you help us support these shows and keep it free and the bills paid, but you get a ton of exclusive Patreon content in return. And really, sign up for a month. I don't think you will regret it. <laughs> anyway, I'm out of here, everyone. I will return next week with episode two, season two of This Week in Wrestling History. And by the way, for those that are going to ask, you might be new. What's with the season thing? Well, we did a year's worth of this week in wrestling history a year earlier. So I, it was supposed to end. But so many people wanted this to continue. So I decided we're going to continue it. But as you notice, we replace moments from last year with different moments this year. Obviously, some moments like, you know, the, the finger poke of doom will always be remembered. But, you know, we rotate certain clips and certain moments in history. There's so much history out there that there's no reason why we can't continue seasons. It's just a boatload of research and work. But you enjoy it. I keep giving it. Everyone be well. I'll talk to you soon. Ciao. Support the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle Show on Patreon. Get access to thousands of hours of back episodes. Get bonus episodes and exclusive shows. Castle Chronicles. Breakfast Soup. Pay-per-view recaps. DVDs. Beer koozies. Tattoos. And more. Support the show that's entertained millions for over 16 years. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Once again, Patreon.com slash Don Tony. 
new to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. You can go from I should start a podcast to actually starting a podcast with Spreaker. Spreaker's tools allow you to record, manage, distribute, and monetize any podcast idea, whether it's about your business or even your cat. And as your podcast grows, Spreaker helps you manage your success and even monetize it. That means all you need to get started is a microphone and a really good idea. Learn more and get 30% off at Spreaker.com slash get started. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R dot com slash get started.